This is Jocko Podcast number 79 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. And it has been a little while since we were able to hammer out some Q&A questions from the interwebs. And so here we are, number 79. Let's answer some questions from the interwebs. What do you got? Cool. Go. First question. Jocko. Oh, wait. Should we spend a bunch of time with a bunch of fluff and talk about nonsense, or should we get to the questions? Well, I say we get to the questions. What about 27 minutes worth of advertisements? <laughs> Let's get to the questions. Rock yeah. and roll. I am a vascular surgeon training residents. How do you apply decentralized command when your team changes every one to three months? Yeah, solid question. And with something like that, what we need to do is we need to get a standard operating procedure in place with clear documentation, some kind of a qualification and approval process, and then a monitoring system in place, right? So this, this, the reason I can kind of, the reason that's pretty easy transition for me to make mentally is because we would have to do this kind of thing sometimes in the SEAL teams. When you get, for instance, you're overseas on deployment, in a war zone and you get some guys that show up to work halfway through the deployment or two months into deployment or three weeks before deployment ends you get some guys that show up they're seals right mm. so they, they they understand the fundamental concepts but you haven't worked with them specifically before they haven't worked with the platoon before they don't know the area of operations that you're in specifically they don't know what kind of mission specifically you're conducting and where the intel is coming from but basically they don't know anything other than the fundamental knowledge of being a seal but as far as that particular job goes they don't know too much so what you have to do is you have to run them through a bunch of familiarization stuff very quickly about the the gun trucks and how your humvees are set up you got to make sure they can get on a 50 cal and a mark 48 and a mark 19 and understand our crew served weapons and how we operate them because our crew served weapons by the way a lot of times we most of the time operate our crew served weapons alone so they got to make sure they can do this. Humvees, right? A lot of the older guys in the SEAL teams before the war started, they wouldn't know how to operate a Humvee. So you had to make sure they knew how to do that. They had to understand the mission, why we were doing the mission, what was important about it, what was the commander's intent. They had to know the rules of engagement mm-hmm. because the military will take a guy that lands in country and they'll give him like a 30-minute brief to welcome to in country and 30 seconds of it will be a r- rules of engagement brief and they won't really understand it. So you got to make sure they understand that. You got to. When's the last time they did med training, medical training? When's the last time they did that? Has it been like 12 years since they put on a tourniquet? Okay, not good. We got to get them familiarized on that. How are they going to stop the bleeding? The different IED threats that are out there because the IED threats change all the time. What kind of trigger mechanisms are being used and what kind of identifying marks are for IED? So there's all this stuff. The list goes on and on. And so you have to develop some kind of a standard operating procedure. Hey, when a guy shows up, this is what we need to do with him. Boom, they need to go through this, 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 this. This little checklist you put together. And... Then if the person's a leader, maybe you got to go and do a couple left seat, right seat rides with them. So does that make, do do other people use that terminology, left seat, right seat? Not that I know. Okay, so if I was the platoon commander and you were coming in to take over for me, Mm -hmm. we would plan a mission together and I would be in charge of the mission. Yeah. So I'd be in the driver's seat. 
Oh, like a pilot, co-pilot. Yeah, and switch. you'd be in the next seat. You'd be yeah. in the, you'd be watching, yeah. and you'd be in the passenger seat, and I would be running everything. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we do that a couple times, and you're just watching me. And then we switch seats. You get yeah. in the driver's seats, but I'm still there watching and telling you to move a little left and move a little right. Yeah. And then eventually you got it, and then I'm going to leave. Go gotcha. home. Yeah. So maybe if the person's a leader, you got to do two or three or four ops or whatever mm-hmm. to get them a good turnover. So now in all these situations or. If, you're, if it's not a full-on turnover, because that you're going to walk away from, but if it's just a, uh, you've got some other group, small entity or people that are coming in, you're not going to be able to give them that full 100% decentralized command, right? You're still going to have to keep a little bit more watch on them because you're not going to build up the full level of trust in one to three months. That's just not possible. Mm-hmm. So there will be a little bit of limitations but you can definitely you can definitely move pretty far down the path and one other thing that's going to help like I said document and that's really smart to put together a document mm. with very clear roles and responsibilities and expectation and then not just give them the document and say hey read this later no no you sit down and go over every single thing with them mm. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to condense this timeline of building trust into the shortest possible time. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways you do that is by condensing everything into a simple, clear, concise format, written format, go through, talk it with them so they understand it and can do it very clearly. Mm -hmm. Like when I was in task unit bruiser, I didn't lay anything like that out for the platoon commanders, for Leif and the Delta platoon commander. I didn't say, here's the rules. I did that over a long period of time, you know, over a year workup. Now that now within a few months they kind of knew what the deal was. Yeah. But if I would have if that would have been my normal job and I would have been getting a new platoon commanders every three months, every time they came in, I'll be like, all right, you're new platoon commanders, this is what a platoon commander does. This is the rules and rules roles and responsibilities. This is the uh, expectations that I have for you. This is when you call me. This is when you make a decision on your own. Lay all that stuff perfectly clear. And that way I could more quickly develop a sense of decentralized command now again it's not going to be full decentralized command you're not going to just let somebody run with it they've only been with you for three months and you know i don't know i don't know what the timeline is to for a vascular surgeon to get total trust in their subordinate vascular surgeons or their subordinate team members mm-hmm. but i'm sure it takes longer than one to three months so how much can you condense the timeline what can you do to condense it? Once you get it condensed as much as you can, you're still going to have to do a little bit more monitoring than you would normally do. But it is still going to be beneficial. It's going to be beneficial for them, and it will be beneficial for you to operate as much as you can in the decentralized uh, methodology. So when you say condense the timeline, that's for the procedure? No, it's condense the timeline to build trust, uh, actually. Uh-huh. So I want to decentralized command is about trust, right? If I trust you and you trust me, it goes up and down. If I'm in charge and I trust you, that means you're going to go out and you know what to do. And when you're out there, you know, you trust that I am going to cover for you and I'm going to trust the decisions that you make. So decentralized command is about trust. In order to have trust, we have to have understanding. Mm. And in order to understand things, we have to work together. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to condense the timeline that it takes us to build trust. And how do I do that? I just am very direct and lay things out in a very simple, clear, concise format so that you can understand it. Gotcha. Very quickly. That's my goal. Makes sense. Next question. When and how is the right way to skip the chain of command when you feel like your direct superior is a part of the problem? Big one. 
big one because this is very very problematic and skipping the chain of command is a last resort it is a last resort why is it a last resort because when you when you skip the chain of command you're breaking the trust I just talked about you're breaking it the relationship that you've been building you're damaging it it's not good sometimes it's unsalvageable by the way sometimes when you skip the chain of command you will never be able to recover from that now of course if there's something that the your immediate superior is doing that's illegal or immoral or unethical if that's the case then it's actually your duty to go above them in the chain of command now do you still first report it to them and say hey what you did is wrong we're not going to do that yes you should tell them first unless it's going to you know cause you to get in some horrible situation now this is an interesting thing that i thought about let's say you and i are working together sure. and and you're my boss and you, let's say you're doing something that's immoral illegal unethical right and i watch you do it and and i and i see you leaning towards it i'm like oh i think he's going to do something that's illegal right here and i don't say anything mm-hmm. and then i watch you do it and then i run up the chain of command report you and bust you right mm-hmm. you got to be careful with that and and i think when you work for someone or when someone works for you you need to lay it right out of the gate like hey this is where i stand like i'm not going to cover for you if you do some stupid illegal things you don't wait for them to do it and then drop the hammer on them maybe I'm being overly fair and maybe we should be all out to get people that are you know uh, doing something that they shouldn't be doing part of the problem yeah I I actually I I believe that's my belief is when I when I meet you and I say hey what's going on and you make a little crack you know you make a little joke Mm-hmm. You know, you say, well, you know, it's not like the, it's not like the, it's not like the uh, customers can really see that money. You know, let's say you're going to skim money from oh, somebody, right, right? right. Yeah, that and you, go, so, yeah, and you make a little joke like that, mm-hmm. you know, you, and you're, and what you're doing is testing the waters with me, right? Yeah, you're testing yeah, yeah. my ethical morals. I'd be like, yeah, there's no way they would ever know. And mm-hmm. besides, we pretty much work for it anyways, right? Right. right you're right. going to see if you're going to get that reaction. Yeah, with yeah, yeah. So, you, you know, we just. You know, sometimes we had to get a little charge a little extra on that install, right? Maybe we're <laughs> maybe we're some kind of installers at a house, and you sure. go, yeah, you know, I usually you know throw a little upcharge on here. They never know if that's type of wall, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. You throw that test at me. It's my duty. If I'm the type of person that's going to report you for skimming money from the customers, then I should <clears throat> tell you like, hey, man, that's not cool. No, yeah, no, those customers, they, you know, here's my view: is those customers that we're out there trying to do this install for they had to work hard for that money and I don't want to be taking it from them mm. now you kind of know yeah you better not be doing that in front of me yeah as opposed to me smiling and going along with your joke and then three months later I report you know yeah. I, I turn over a report to the boss man yeah so I don't think that's very ethical either, either yeah it's kind of like to a mislead you it's a little bit of a backstab yeah, yeah. Uh, now are there cases of course where somebody's doing something that's just outrageously unethical and you didn't know about it or something yeah. you pretty much know though you can tell when people are doing shady things yeah you, know? you so so I think that that is something okay so let me let me put it let me let me close this thought or at least make a point of this thought my point of this thought is it's the same thing that happens a lot where people don't like to have hard conversations yeah. so 
it's an easy conversation when you say, you know, those customers never know where their money goes and it's only 12 bucks a thing and it's no big deal. The easiest thing for me to do is to smile and say, eh, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the easy, and, and, and that's not that big of a deal, mm. right? It gets so much harder. The further we go down that road, it gets harder and harder and harder because then you start saying, hey, you know, it's only, you know, we're, we've been skimming like 12 bucks. Guess what? They never noticed this other charge either, and I can get them for $62. Mm. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's a harder conversation. So have the hard conversation earlier. It'll yeah. make it easier for you. So that being said, now how do we escalate above you in the chain of command? First of all, my goal is to not escalate above you in the chain of command. My goal is to actually raise the situation to you and bring it up to you and say, hey, Echo, you know, the way we've been doing this job, you know, I think we should do it a different way. I think there's a better way to do it. I think there's a better way to treat the customer, whatever, whatever the thing is, better way to attack this target, whatever the thing is. And I'm gonna have that conversation with you like two, three, four, five times to try and get you to listen to me. Now, if the conversation doesn't work, I'm gonna escalate it even further. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna actually do a little write-up. I'm gonna write a point paper. I'm gonna say, Echo, I was listening, thinking about what we're doing, how we're hitting this target, or how we're loading out our guys, or whatever. And I'm gonna write you a point paper, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay it out for you, I'm gonna lay out what my plan is, what the cost benefits are, and make that very clear to you. So that way, I'm giving you every ample opportunity to listen to what I'm saying, mm-hmm. right? And I'm probably even gonna say, hey, maybe we should run this by you know the boss mm-hmm. to see what they think. Because yeah. if you just keep disagreeing with me, and I say, you know, can, can I, you mind if I bring this to the boss and see what he thinks? Yeah. Now, what are you gonna say to that? Most, <laughs> most the immediates are not gonna be happy, but I'm giving you a heads up, right? Yeah. Because I'm just trying to play open. And it kind of doesn't it kind of make them reflect too, where yes. it's like, oh, yes. hey, I'm gonna you know bring somebody there. Oh, 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 what are they yeah. gonna say? No, don't bring that to the boss. Yeah. It's kind of like, ah, oh, it makes it real overt that they're not doing correct. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, so yeah, you say, and you might get a boss. To, you might get a boss that goes, yeah, bring it to him. He's gonna say the th- same thing I'm telling you, and then you go, well, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, you know? maybe yeah. I'm wrong about this procedure, or maybe I'm wrong about how we're gonna attack this target. But it is. And, and also, this is a hard conversation to have. Mm-hmm. It's a hard conversation to say to someone, man, can we just bring this to the boss? Or, and, and, and again, I'm not saying you say, hey, I'm going to bring this to the boss. Right, no, right. you say, hey, would you mind if I got his opinion? Yeah. Would you mind if I see what she said about this? And that way, we're, we're not saying, I'm going to the boss. I'm going right. above your head. You can't stop me. No, that's not what I'm talking about. So... There's that. The other thing that you can, so that's that's sort of a direct approach with your immediate boss, which starts, by the way, with an indirect approach of being like, hey, Echo, you know, I was thinking about the way we're hitting these targets. Wouldn't it be smart maybe if we hit him from over here? Do you think that would work? And now we're just opening up the conversation. So we've done that. I can also go indirect with your boss, right? So, mm-hmm. so your direct boss, who's now two up above me in the chain of command, I can go indirect with him at the water fountain, sure. right? Yep. Hey, oh yeah, thanks boss, yeah, everything's going great. Yeah, doing a great job, yeah, work, yeah, I'm on Echo's team. Yeah, yeah, no, it's really good, it's good. It's a tough mission, but you know, we're, we're always exploring new ways to do it, you know, it's, we're looking at some other options. I was thinking of an, another way to hit those targets too, kind of like coming in from this direction. Oh, that's all I did was just drop a little, <laughs> plant a little seed, sure. you know, yeah. have that conversation come up and I'm just gonna, that's what I'm gonna do. Plant the little seeds and try and get them to maybe say, oh, that sounds like a really good idea. 
What did Echo think of that? I, I you know, actually, I, I haven't talked to Echo about it in full detail, but uh, I will. Mm-hmm. Now I go back, hey, hey man, the boss asked me about this, and he was mentioning, you know, I mentioned this other way of doing it, and he thought it might be a good idea, and I just want to give you a heads up in case he says anything. Uh, I didn't really have a chance, you know, whatever. So we're just we're playing the game a little bit. That's we're good, right? That, we're maneuvering. That, that line, I just want to give you the heads up. I feel like that's like real good when someone says that. It, it is. However, it also gets. Uh, it's also a way of saying, "Hey, I ratted you out." <laughs> yeah, I ratted exactly. you out. Depending on what it's followed with, it's like, "Hey, I just want to give you a heads up. The boss, you know, asked me about this, right. and I didn't know how to respond, so I said this, and he yeah. might come and talk to you. I just wanted to give you a heads up. Right. That's good. that's different than the. Hey, just to give you a heads up, I talked to the boss earlier today. I told him what your deal is. <laughs> Something like that. That's yeah, not going to yeah. go good for you. Yeah, I, I can so, see that. yeah, there's all kinds of shades of gray there as well. And and you know, I worked for for a while. I was the admiral's aide, and so I and I worked for a really great guy, great admiral, who I had a really good relationship with. You know, mm-hmm. and if I needed something, he was going to give it to me. And so when I was a task unit commander, which is what which is what job I went to immediately when I got done working for the admiral, I literally had a direct line to the admiral Mm. because I had his cell phone number. Mm. I had his office number. And if I wanted to call him, he wanted to talk to me because we were friends. Mm. But that doesn't mean that I went to him and did did all kinds of, you know, I didn't do that. No, I never took advantage of that at, at all and was always professional. But there is this one little story <laughs> where, as odd as this might sound, we were getting ready to go on deployment, and we needed a, a what's called a large format color printer. Yeah, and it prints out big pieces of paper, large format, and you need it because you need to make battle maps. Yeah, yeah and maps. you need a good one because when you go out on an operation, every single guy in the platoon has a map. Mm-hmm. So you could have. You might need 8, 10, 12, 15, 30. You might need 30 color laminated maps to go out mm. on a mission. And for whatever reason, I think we had one. It was kind of crappy. And the boss, the admiral, you know, I talked to him before I was going on deployment. I don't know if he called me or I ran into him or whatever. And he's the admiral in charge of everything. And he's just, you know, getting a feel for what's going on. And he says, um, you know, hey, do you have everything you need for deployment? Because he knew I was leaving in a couple days or a couple of week, couple of weeks. And I said, yeah, you know, sir, we're, we're, we're good to go. You know, right now, believe it or not, I'm just waiting on a printer. So we've got to get one of those large format printers for battle maps. But other than that, we're, we're rocking and rolling. <laughs> <laughs> and like that afternoon, I got back to my office and the Commodore. So now it's two bosses above my immediate boss at the SEAL team and one guy below the Admiral. Mm you know had like a message for me he was like hey and luckily i was friends with right. him too. he goes hey i guess you need a printer let me know what kind see what you and did. he's like thanks for the heads up and i was like hey sorry sir i just saw him in the quickie mart or whatever but uh but yeah you know you you gotta you gotta you don't want to abuse that stuff at all and you gotta gotta be smart about it and it's it always is. I'm telling you, it's always it's it's not good to skip the chain of command. It, it really isn't. It's not gonna. It generally is not going to benefit you. It's generally going to put you in a bad situation. It's going to p- give you less leverage with your immediate boss. Because mm-hmm. if I went above the chain of command on you, even if you get redirected by our boss, you are pissed. Yeah. 
and you're gonna you're gonna sabotage. Yeah, it's like a, it's like really it's a version of going behind someone's back. Oh, for sure right? it is. Yeah, and it almost even feels like even if you tell them, it feels like oh, you're going above my head. Yeah, you're going it, behind it my is. back. It's, it's a really it's a really it's a tough one. Yeah. You gotta you gotta use caution with that one. And also, I'll tell you what else it is. It's it's an easy it's it appears to be the easy way out. Like if you're not listening to me, oh, I'm just gonna go above the chain of command. Instead of me influencing you, explaining right. to you, writing point papers to you, building a relationship with you so that you trust me, instead of doing all those things that take time and effort and tact, mm. I'm just gonna skip the chain of command and tell your boss. That's mm. that's another negative about it. It's a cop out. Right. You shouldn't need to do it. I can't like that printer story I just told. Mm-hmm. Like other than that of me going above the chain of command and that was almost a comical thing Like I said, I was friends with the Commodore too who always took great care of me and was laughing when he left the message I go thanks for the heads up. You know, he wasn't mad when he said that he was you know He was laughing because here I was getting ready to deploy to Iraq and what I want is a printer (laughs) (laughs) That's what we need which can tell you how (laughs) dialed in we were and how much great gear We had because the only thing that was left that we needed was a printer. You know, that's where I was at I got all the everything we needed, but I needed a printer. So you went but, above his head, and I get it. You know, yeah, for the printer. But you got to, you know. Other than that, it's really hard for me to think of other times in my naval career where I went above someone in the chain of command. It just didn't happen. You know, yeah. I'm going to take the time to build a relationship with my immediate boss, and they're going to do what I want them to do. Yeah, they're going to give me what I want them to give me. They're going to support yeah. me the way I need to get supported. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's leading up the chain of command. Skipping the chain of command isn't really leadership. Yeah. So try not to do it. Kind of like when you're a kid and you're, you got to deal with your older brother or something, but instead of dealing with him, you go and tattle on him or something like that. Yeah. That's how you feel. Yeah, no, it's the same, same, uh, similar thing. Not that my little brother tattled on me ever in his life. Yeah. Interesting how you, and it seems like this is a common theme too, how you're, uh, uh like you want to try the most and the best you can to deal with it yourself like the most for sure you know, like own from it. the beginning own it i mean just like how you were saying how like if you got to fire someone you know where you want to get to the point where oh, deal with it in the beginning yes. yeah like yes. you can't like just let them do the wrong thing and be no. like yeah that's cool let them do it for years and then be like you know what you're fired because of all yep. these wrong things and you didn't even bring it and, up and think about this too like on the unethical things you you might be again i'm gonna i'm gonna walk a fine line here but you might not recognize you might not recognize that what you're doing is unethical you might be like hey Jocko you know what I do is I just I always hit everyone with this little extra $12 charge you know no big deal no one ever notices it and uh, you know we're working hard and you you might just hey man it gives you food for your kids and you're working on a bunch of rich people's houses so they can afford 12 bucks And it's not that big of a deal to you. And maybe somebody that you started working for did the same thing, and that's kind of just the standard operating procedure. Yeah. Whereas if I was like, man, you know what? That's not good. You know, that's actually, it might not seem like a big deal, but you're taking money. You're, you know, you know that puts money on your, your table, mm-hmm. gives feeds your kids. It's taking money off their table. Yeah. You know, and whether they're rich or not, money's money. Yeah. And I don't think feel, I don't feel like we should be doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can might awaken you. And get your ethics back on track and you might be a good dude because yeah. so, just because someone was skimming some money doesn't mean they're a horrible person right it means that they went down the wrong path yeah. and just because someone goes down the wrong path doesn't mean they can come back they doesn't mean they cannot come back to the right path man if I was if I was you know executed every time I did something that was stupid or or bad or you know I shouldn't have done I would have died a thousand deaths by now right 
we grow up and we learn these things we become better people but yeah. we only become better people and we only learn these things if somebody teaches them to us yeah now we can learn the hard way which is you know all of a sudden someone looks at you and goes wait what's this charge for 12 bucks and then they pull up all your receipts for the last five years you've been working here and then they realize you've stolen money from the company and stolen money from these customers and they're gonna yep. prosecute you Yeah, because stealing over X amount of dollars is a felony you know what I mean so yeah. then you learn your lesson but that's yeah. not the lesson we want to learn so Having those tough conversations like you're talking about having them up front and whether it's you're right, you're right whether it's counseling somebody yeah. whether it's dealing with you know my boss who I want to tell like hey I think there's a better way to do this any of those the earlier you do them the easier they are to have and the yeah. longer you wait to do them the harder they get yeah so also too it's just an overall help like I don't know. It, it's hard to not draw the analogy, not the analogy, but the comparison between um, like your boss and subordinates type situation and parenting kids. You know, like for sure. Just like are you saying? Sometimes people don't know necessarily that it's unethical, or th- they don't know it's that unethical, or something right. like that. That's that's it. I mean, in my situation with kids, like they don't know. Essentially, they don't know better. You know, like I don't know. You take a permanent pen and you draw all over the walls. Yep. You're four or five years old, and you're like. Yeah, sure. I've been drawing on paper this whole time, mm-hmm. so there's no reason for me to think. Sure, I should draw on the walls, but there's really nothing to tell me not yeah. to. So they do it, and then they go get like beat or something mm-hmm. like that, or just yelled at, or something. Some some punishment, straight up punishment, instead of you know, okay, you didn't know that, you have to know this. You know, it, it's like that kind of Bro, stuff. I gotta I gotta tell a story. We were I was going through officer candidate school. And there's a manual and you're going through officer candidate school. I can't remember what it is, but it's all the rules of officer candidate school. Mm-hmm. Everything you, this is how your uniform's supposed to be. This is the way your locker's supposed to be. These are the way you stand in line at the chow hall. All the, every single rule is in this book. And yeah. I forget what it's called. So you live by the code of this book and it's very specific rules. Yeah. And there was a kid who was going through officer candidate school with us and he was from another country he'd been raised in another country and became an American citizen yeah. but he was from another country and grew up in a really poor you know a really poor kid so good for him I mean he had achieved an incredible amount finishing college going to officer candidate school it was awesome yeah. but he had some habits from growing up in the third world that were a little bit different for you know for Americans sure. and one of the things that he would do is he would urinate in the shower and and not just while he was taking a shower, but when you come back from a class or something, you know, you everyone have to go to the bathroom yeah. at the same time, and so, you know, guys would go in and they'd fill up the urinals, and then there's nowhere to piss. Right. So what are you gonna do? Oh well, he would just He's, go in the shower, and it's a big open shower. You just go in there and piss right in the drain, like it was nothing. Toilet shower, yeah, same toilet thing. shower, whatever. Dang. And one of the American kids, uh, and I'm calling them kids. These guys were all, you know. Actually, we had a but some of them were new kids fresh out of college. The kid, the the kid that was urinating in the shower was fresh out of college, and one of the older guys who was like me was a prior enlisted guy. He came to me and he said, "Hey, man, this kid's urinating in the shower, like all the time." And I said, "I said, okay, well, you know, run the water." And he's like, "Brand, I gotta get." The, he's like, "I've," he's like, "You know, my squad's in charge of cleaning the showers, and so these are my guys on their on the ground cleaning up his piss. Mm-hmm. It, it, it ain't cool." And I was like, all right, cool, I'll talk to him. So I went and I said, hey, man. I said, hey, you know, officer, candidate, whatever. Can I can I talk with you for a second? He goes, yeah, and he comes in my room. And I said, hey, man, you you, um, you know, you're, you're, you're pissing in the shower. Just wait for a, a toilet. 
And he looked at me like I was telling him that he shouldn't breathe air, right? He was like, well, why? And I said, I said, well, no, because you know you're 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 pissing where everyone walks around, and and he goes, yeah, but the water to drain, it's yeah, just it's going all pipes. Out. And he goes, and I said, no, it's it's not, just just don't do it. And he goes, it's not in the rule book, is what he said to me. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, the the, and he named the manual. He goes, it doesn't say in there that you can't piss in the showers. I was like, well, it doesn't say you can't piss on my floor either or in my bed, but I don't want you doing that. Right. But it was interesting. My point is that his viewpoint was like this was totally normal. Yeah. And and he was a great kid and a hard worker, but for him, he was just like, "What are you talking about? Yeah. Why wouldn't I piss in the shower? All the all the pissers are taken. Right. I'm gonna go piss in the shower. Well, yeah. next question. Let's yeah. move on. I got work to do." Mm. And so I had to explain to him, "Hey, man, listen, it's it's a little different. And <laughs> people that are cleaning the showers don't want to be down yeah. on their hands and knees in in your piss." Yeah. So and he said, "Okay," and he he listened to me. And but I could see that he listened to me, but he didn't 100% agree with me. Right, you know? right. He was like, okay, like, you know, that, you that's fine. So, yeah, kind of he, he kind of did that, you know. Yeah. And it was one of those where I, I'm trying to explain to him the why, but it just it, <laughs> it's like you're saying, like he literally yeah. didn't understand yeah. that that was not acceptable from yeah. a hygienic point. Hygienic is that right? Sure, hygienic, hygienic. Hygienic from a hygienic point, from a you know a moral. Or, or a morale point of the, oh, of yeah, the yeah. team the morale, that's yeah. in there cleaning up. So yeah. that was uh, that was good times. You never seen that um, Seinfeld? You watch Seinfeld ever? You know what that is, right? I know Seinfeld. it's a TV show, but negative. <laughs> that's what they talk about. Yeah, he gets caught. One of the guys gets caught taking a leak in the shower at the gym. You know, you yeah. go to the gym, you take a shower, and then. It's like, you know, they catch you and they yeah. you're ostracized, basically. Yeah. I think they even took his mask. I don't know. But he was like, hey, you believe this? They're whatever. You know, they're they're mad at me for, you know, pissing in the shower at the gym. And he's like, he's like, why why are you confused that they're mad at you kind of thing? And he's like, it's all pipes. It all goes. You know, he's trying to defend it. And you can kind of see where in a small, teeny, tiny way, if you don't think about it. Yeah, like yeah. why not? It's going down the drain. You're not pissing on the on the people. Hey, I was deployed on a ship, and I was an officer, I was an ensign. So I just moved up from the from the troop birthing where yeah. I used to be with the enlisted swine. <laughs> so we used to proudly call ourselves. Sure. And all of a sudden, I was up in the in the officer area in the uh, what do they call those areas? The officer country. Sure. So they have little signs, officer country. You know, no enlisted allowed. Elitist. Yeah, totally elitist. Stop. So I'm in there and I'm living with. Uh, uh, we actually had four other seals, seal officers in this room. And one of the seal officers, there was a sink in the room, but no bathroom. So you just mm-hmm. had a sink, you could brush your teeth, shave, whatever. But mm-hmm. if you wanted to go to the bathroom, you had to go down the hallway where the showers and the pissers were. And so one night, I'm, you know, I'm like get stirred awake by some noise, and I see one of the, my fellow officers is pissing in the sink, right in the sink. And you know, I I was like, hey man, well, what are you doing? <laughs> He's like, I'm not walking all the way to the, down to the, the down to the bathroom. And I was like, yeah, yeah, actually, yes, you are. <laughs> That's where I brush my teeth, Holmes. <laughs> and he and he was the same way. He was kind of surprised, like, what's wrong with you? It's yeah. just piss, and it's the same pipes. But right. I was like, no, do me a favor, just walk on down there. What if he urinated in the sink regularly, but every single time when he was done, he scrubbed the the sink with like Lysol and stuff, bro. It's all psychological huh, at that point. Well, it's not just psychological, but that doesn't even make it worth it. Now, you might as well walk down there. Right. I, I, I dig it, but like, what if that was just his thing? I mean, well, how would you feel about it? 
don't piss in my sink. Yeah, right. It's like yeah. a, it's like a, it's like a, um, what do you call it? like a customary almost for reasons, of course. Yeah, the reason but, is don't piss in my sink. <laughs> no, you gotta think about. Actually, in college, we played football. And we had like a nice facility too, at UH. But the showers were like guys would do it all the time, and but the showers were shaped different. Where, like, let's say you're facing the shower, right, or you're facing the wall at the bottom of the wall was like a gutter trench, like it, yeah. a trench yeah mm-hmm. so it went down so if you did and one guy's would it would go down you weren't ever standing in it you know mm-hmm. so if you're standing in it that's like <laughs> obvious you know but but guys would do it and when I first saw it I was like dang you're just openly doing it like one of this guy <laughs> I actually mentioned his name before I'm not gonna mention cause it's pissing in the shower but He's like talking to me while he's pissing in the shower. Almost like it was a straight up toilet. It was yeah. understood. And he's like, yeah, I'll talk to me. And I'm like, all right, that's how. So again, it's more like the ethics of the, like the, the culture almost. It's what it seemed like. Yeah, what it seems like to me is don't piss in my sink. I agree. That's what it seems oh, like yeah, the me. sink is different. Sink is a totally different ball game. Yeah. Shower, okay, understood, right? Like you said, it goes it, down the it's, drain. Yeah. It's there's water flowing all over it. Yeah, you're washing off you're anyway. Washing off, there's soap <laughs> coming over it. But uh, you know what? I got a good idea. Just as a general overall rule, yeah, piss in the toilet. Yeah, try the toilet. Yeah, it's way do better. That, do that one. Yeah, the same way you're probably not going to brush your teeth in the toilet. Yeah, you, know, you wouldn't that's do that. What, that's what the sink is for. Now, if you want to if you want to brush your teeth in the toilet, have at it. I won't be mad at you. I, I'll be <laughs> mad at you, bro. I don't know if I can <laughs> hang out with you as much or whatever. But yeah, I understand. It makes sense. And we're talking about pissing stuff. in toilets from talking about skipping the chain of command. Oh yeah, that's right. Because the guy at OCS, Officer Candidate School. Yeah, I you got to in the shower. You got to let him know. Yeah. You got to have the hard conversations. I wonder what ever happened to him. He was a hard worker. Where was he from? Um, somewhere like Vietnam oh, oh, or or Laos or something. Um, maybe Thailand. Yeah, uh, so, some Asian uh, Asian country, Southeast Asian country. Yeah, hard worker and smart. Yeah, I would I say. The, yeah, my opinion about taking a leak in the shower is you shouldn't do it. But if like like this guy who's like, oh, that's normal. That doesn't. Like totally surprised me though. Yeah, no, Put it doesn't it totally way. surprise me. But makes sense that guys didn't like it though, for sure. Next question. And 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 don't skip the chain of command if you can avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the way, yeah, don't do that either. Yeah, that's a yeah. Anything going behind someone's back, it just it just like how you said, it's like sometimes you can't repair that. Yeah, you know? it's hard to repair. Oh man, yeah. hard to repair. Hello. How do you rank your longevity in your priorities? Longevity, this is talking about staying alive for as long as possible. And of course, I mean, I want to live. Oh, like how do you yeah, rank? Yeah, okay, yeah, got yeah. it. How do I personally, that's the way it was, the question right. is actually directed at me, Jocko Willing question for the podcast. How do you rank your longevity in your priorities? Longevity being how long are you gonna live for? And for me, I mean, obviously longevity has some level of importance. I do want to live for a little while longer. But, and, and I think that generally my lifestyle and my focus on health and fitness in a broad way align with living for a little longer. So, you know, working out and all that stuff is good, but there's also an extreme, and I don't know if you know this, I don't know how much you know about this or if you've ever read about it, but there's an extreme side of longevity Mm. of trying if you if your goal in life 
was to live as long as possible. There's an extreme version of that. Do you know about this? I don't know. How so? Uh, well, one of the biggest things is you you do uh, calorie restriction. Massive yeah. calorie restriction. Yeah. You're talking like massive calorie restriction. And that's one of them. You, and, and believe it or not, you do extremely low levels of physical activity. Yeah. Right? You, you basically, if your goal was to live as long as possible, you would want to live basically in a bubble. Yeah. And do nothing. Yeah. But, but eat very little and, and just lay there. Yeah. Um, no jujitsu. <laughs> no surfing, no lifting heavy weights, none of that stuff. Now, when you're in that mode of longevity, pure longevity, you are not prepared for anything in the actual world, right? Yeah. Because your your heart can only beat so many times, and if the less you use it, the longer it's going to be lasting. Mm-hmm. But And I'm sure I have that not quite right. But the problem is if you're not in good shape, mm-hmm. When you get surprised, your heart can't handle it. That's the kind of people that have heart attacks. Their heart can't handle all this uh, madness when it comes. Yeah. So, I'm not going there. It's not worth it for me to for me to live my whole life as a sedentary person, half starved and completely unprepared for anything to happen to me outside of my bubble is not happening. I'm not going to live that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, where does it rank in my priorities? I think it's it sure it's an important thing but I think my general lifestyle aligns with it enough that I don't think about it as much and I think overall living life is more important to me than just living yeah so gotta live life what if magic like a magic wizard guy says I'm the you know gatekeeper of your whole life whatever your life and death situation. He's a grim reaper. That's who he was. Mm-hmm. And he said, I know when you're going to die. You know, you can't help it. This, I just know the future, whatever. Mm-hmm. I will give you 20 extra years right now. You're, you know, 40 something years old. Mm-hmm. The day you're going to die, whenever that is, I can't tell you that. Maybe 90, maybe 80, whatever. But I'll give you 20 more years of fully functional life. But you gotta stop doing jujitsu right now. You can never do it ever again. I'd probably choke him out. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> but otherwise, you'd be just as functional. You can lift. You can surf. You can, you know, you can get after it in any every other way. Just no jujitsu. Oh, uh, no martial arts in any way. Oh, you know what? I would double leg him, <laughs> and then I would pass his guard, and then I would choke him. Uh, dang. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. And I'd take his sickle. Yeah. And I'd free the world. <laughs> so a jujitsu free life is not life. That's what you're saying. I think the minute you start restraining yourself from doing things that you want to do, you you would need to take serious considerations in what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also think that hypothetical questions like that are completely ridiculous. <laughs> no, they're not. They're mental exercises. So my that's why. And I, then in that case, I, I will stay with my first answer. Yeah, I if, agree. If the Grim Reaper came to me and made me an offer, I would double leg him, I would take him down, and I would choke him out. There you go. I might kill him. Yeah. That- <laughs> I might kill true. death. Right, yeah, there you go. See, boom. And you can't do that without you just do. So as far as the double leg and choking someone out. So back to your um how you say you know how the longevity yeah thing i did know about that actually yeah and it and it makes sense because that's a lot of 
things. Like if, if you want to be the safest you possibly can in life, right? Same thing. You're just going to live in a bubble mm-hmm. with no threats of any disease, sterilized bubble, no murders, no car accidents, no nothing. Never drive, never do anything. The same thing. Bro, you'll be so safe. You'll be the safest person in the world, really. Yeah. But as far as quote unquote living life, you know, you, you go one day out in the in the wild, oh, you're dead. <laughs> Same thing. Like the, if you restrict all your calories, no hard physical activity, no sun, you know, all this stuff. The moment you go to everyday life, which is physical in some is less ways right. than before, but still physical, there's sun. There's dangerous. when you go out there, oh, you're oh, dead. Oh, that's right. Sun, right? So it's like a all or nothing. Yeah. Just take vitamin D pills. Yeah. The uh, the other thing is with calorie restriction is I think, and you know, I'm reading about this stuff all the time, and but the, you can get a lot of those benefits by doing some intermittent fasting. Yeah, fasting. For sure. Yeah. And you will feel good on the intermittent fasting. You yeah. Know, 24, 48, 72 hours. That's the most I've done. So, you know, and uh, maybe I'll do some more in the future. Tim Ferriss did like seven days. Okay. I want you to actually, you know, I don't know, man. It, yeah, yeah, but and see, and that's that almost goes into a whole. Honestly, another. when I did seventy-two hours, the last time I did it, I, same thing. Yeah. I've done it a couple times now. Every time, I feel fine. Yeah, I don't feel any of this stuff that people talk about. Yeah, well, yeah. So, not, I mean, it's this is almost. Even did a I whole feel hungry for a little while? Yeah, but well, I, I wasn't like, oh god, right? I wasn't gonna die. No, yeah, you were. No. <laughs> But, but you're talking about a whole different thing but now. But you know what? People are going to say, uh, people are going to ask on the interwebs to, to talk more about intermittent fasting. Yeah. No, don't ask me. There's like actual research Experts. out there. Yeah. Go and Google it. Look up intermittent fasting and read about it. Don't ask me. Uh, I'm the wrong person to ask. Yeah. Ask and, smart people. Yeah. And again, the, the intermittent fast, like if you're talking about I like. I just preempted like 10,000 questions yeah. on oh, Twitter oh, yeah, because it's true don't ask me Google it and look at these really good research paper there's all kinds of stuff coming out about it right now now what's weird about the internet and science in general is in you know there's a one article that says it's great you can find two more articles that say it's horrible and you can find three more articles so you can always counter everything yeah I mean although not, the internet, not to split hairs go. but that's not necessarily about Science in general, it's more about a specific person's viewpoint. Well, viewpoint yeah. based on what yeah. they've yeah, 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 for sure. arrived at, for and sure. Um, and especially with diet and health, it's so it's so Ugh. ambiguous and yeah. so adaptable and stuff Ugh. like that. So, but like, you're, if you're talking about fasting, that's that's you're talking about something different. Like you know, people fast for a specific reason, yeah. or even a kind of a general reason. But it's like. Fasting alone isn't going to make you achieve whatever it is no. you're doing. You know, it's a it's no. a complete just like lifting. Like with lifting, you need nutrition, you need rest, you need all this stuff for a specific results. And then there's all kinds of different lifting. You know, so you can't just be like, oh yeah, I want bigger muscles, so I'm just gonna lift. That's it. No nutrition, I'm not going to eat at all, or no rest, I'm not going to rest at all. So the point there is, when you go trying to live as long as you possibly can. It's like you have to like that has to be the objective just to live. Everything else is everything else is out the window. Mm. So you, yeah, I don't. I agree with you. I don't think that yeah. that's living necessarily. I don't think there's too many people that are just on the full on longevity gig. Yeah, but there are some. Yeah, I know. I know one. Not going to mention his name. Jack, I guess it'd be your little secret. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Similar question. 
Yeah. Jocko. Prioritize and execute. Is it wrong to sacrifice health in short term to accomplish work objectives? And how would you make up the time lost? So, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes you have to sacrifice workouts for health and health for work objectives. There's no doubt. That's life. Yeah. And work, in many respects, is life. And that's kind of another topic. But try and love what you're doing. Try and enjoy your job if you don't. Because if you enjoy your job, then work is life is an okay thing. If you hate your job, then work is life is not a, is not a good situation to be in. Yeah. So try and get into things and do something that you enjoy doing. And if you don't enjoy it, you know, find some kind of an exit strategy. But that's another topic. Going back to this topic, is it okay or is it wrong to sacrifice your health in the short term to accomplish long-term work objectives? And yeah, even in the SEAL teams, we did that all kinds of times, a lot, whether it was in training or for a mission where our priority or our mission or our training takes priority over workouts and over eating healthy and over everything. So there's times where you're just 100% focused on some kind of mission and that's what you're going to that's what you're going to do. And that's okay. That's what we did in the SEAL teams and that's what everyone does and it's and when you get done with that, how do you make up for lost time? You do some hard workouts and maybe you go eat super clean or you fast for a little while or whatever it is that gets you back on track. You just get yourself back on track. What you have to watch out for is a pattern. A long-term pattern mm. where work takes precedent over health for multiple weeks mm. right multiple weeks and months right if it's if you're talking about months we're in a bad situation yeah, yeah. like if you go week two weeks where you just were crazy and work was crazy and you you know you know your health took a little went down a couple notches on the priority and a couple of weeks goes by and you go I'm glad I'm got through that and the 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 hard seasons over or the whatever the right. you know you know people in the finance world and tax season they're just busting their ass for two three four straight weeks it's yeah. really hard it's understandable and you know uh, retail people around Christmas time there you know right. everyone's got their little cyclical things real estate people in the springtime and the summer starts rolling around their work it's it's it, there's cyclical things and that's cool you work hard for two three weeks where you just have to get after it. But when that starts turning into months and and multiple weeks and then months and then secular months of your health is taking the back seat, we have an issue. Now, that being said, there are not too many jobs that consume 23 and a half hours a day of your time. There are just not that many jobs that do that. Now, what and what you might be facing here is you might be blaming your job for you being lazy. Mm. That that can be happening. That's a strong possibility, actually. Mm. Because you can make time for a 20-minute workout, right? 20-minute workout, yeah. right? 20-minute workout, like that... If you get 20 minutes, you get in there, shake it out a little bit, and you do you know, a couple hundred burpees, Go as hard as you can. You just got to work out. That took you 10, 15, 20 minutes, right? Well, yeah, longer than that for me, but yeah. Right. You see what I'm saying, though? I do, yes, fully. You do, And then if you can do that, if you sprint, if you do 10 sprints, right? doesn't mm-hmm. take you much time. You do go, go knock out three, four, five sets of pull-ups. Go knock out a couple hundred pull-ups. How long does that take? It doesn't take that long, right? Take you 15 minutes. You're done. So... 
then maybe at night you just roll up there you grab your kettlebell and you knock out some swings it takes you seven minutes yep. we're not talking about a bunch of times so are we being lazy because we're not carving out 15 20 minutes half an hour you know a lot of people ask me about what the workouts I do when I'm on the road mm-hmm. a lot of times when I'm on the road I fly into a city I get there 11 o'clock at night the next time I'm, next day I'm working with a company at 8 o'clock in the morning and so I my, my schedules tight why am I in the hotel room the hotel room gym sucks for for one thing mm-hmm. and I'm gonna bang something out quickly mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to be an hour workout. No, it's going to be like 20 minutes sometimes. Now, sometimes if I have a little extra time, maybe I'm not meeting with the company until lunch. Yeah. Cool, I'm going to have a nice long workout, of course. Yeah. But if it's I'm due to meet with the CEO for breakfast at 7 o'clock, it's going to be a quick, hardcore 12-minute workout. Yeah. And that's cool. So yeah. you got to carve that out. And so, so, you know, make sure that it's the job that's doing this to you and not you that's doing this to you. Yeah. So if it is your job truly, truly your job is the thing that's making you unhealthy, then you gotta fix it. Now what you have going for you is that companies want you to be healthy, mm-hmm. right? Companies understand the benefit of having healthy employees, not just from a productivity standpoint, but from like an insurance viewpoint. We if, if we got a you know we've got health coverage for our employees and all of our employees are are sick and and lame and lazy and we're having to pay their medical bills and they can't work it's problematic so what you do is you step up and you say hey you know what we don't have a health and wellness program I want to run it we need a little gym oh you, it's going to cost money yes it's going to cost money but I'm going to save you money in productivity I'm going to save you money in insurance I'm going to write a point paper on that I'm going to win that one all day long we're gonna we're gonna put a gym in the lounge and we're going to put we're going to put some mats in the donut room you know what i'm saying so we're going <laughs> to yep. we're going to do it well, yeah. i think linkedin has a jujitsu room you mean linkedin, oh, LinkedIn the the, company. like the headquarters i think i saw a picture of they have a jujitsu room good idea yeah you wouldn't even have to pay me to work there I'd be like, oh you got jujitsu room boy <laughs> free membership yeah so you get so so go you know step up your company i can about guarantee your company wants you to be healthy mm. So step up, maybe take leadership role in forming the health and wellness program for your company. Get yeah. it? Funny, my uh, my brother's company, you know it, mm-hmm. Frag Mop. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he they don't have a they don't have mats in, in obviously in the office, but yet, yet, yeah. But we are working on um, that. the it's, it's funny though. He'll he'll like he'll do this. He'll encourage people to go to jujitsu. You know, yeah. to the point where the, we, they have rash guards even. Yeah, we yeah. have a pretty good representation from Frag Mob at the gym. Yeah. You know yeah. what I call everyone from Frag Mob that trains? You know what I nickname them? What? All of them. Frag Mob. Everyone from Frag Mob, that's what I <laughs> oh, call Oh, that's their actual that's name. Their actual hey, name. Frag, Frag Mob. Mob. It's Come not here. gym anymore. No, it's Frag Mob. no, your name is Frag Mob. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but that's good because it becomes this culture that kind of catches on, you yeah. know, where, and this is just jujitsu. It can be kind of anything, CrossFit or even spin, I don't know, whatever, but jujitsu is kind of good because it's one of those ones that you can kind of come and talk about it and, you know, hey, I choked you out or you choked me out kind of thing. You can choke your boss if he's there, yeah. you know, it's like that kind of stuff. It's real choke fun. Choke your boss. And they even have like, ra- like I said, rash guards, the rash guards, like if you work for a frag mob, it'll say, um, staff on the back, it'll have, uh, like you know, you know, they do like AI and yeah. you know, d- development stuff like that. So the the staff one will be um what does it have on the sleeves? Like digital digital circuitry. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then um the other one says will say security. That's like, you know, friends of 
yeah, yeah, yeah. the friends or the family but isn't there a or difference also between the hardware and the software rash guards right right that's yeah, what I mean that's exactly that's what it is one. so the soft the guys who actually work for Fragmob have the software rash guards that has like circuitry on the design and then the the no, the hardware. Oh the no, no, sorry. People. The software ha- is or is the, little zeros and ones, the code. like matrix. Yeah, yeah. The code. Yeah, yes, exactly. And the security the guys who work. Anyway, nonetheless, um, that's kind of that's like a good look because that's not really an official program in Fragmom or just, in a company. It's just it's kind of the influential element of the culture, you know, yeah. where it's like, and you know, my brother he 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 pushed that, you know, mm-hmm. not. Kind of overtly, I guess, but it's more, it was like, you guys have to do this. No. It's kind of like, hey, you should come down. I'll give you a rash guard. And okay, cool. And guys, and it was funny. There's a time, there's a bunch of Fragma people yeah. in there just going. Interesting. But yeah, that helps. That it helps does help for sure. Now, the, the the thing is, if none of that works, if you if your company's just dragging you down and, and you've checked and double checked and triple checked your own discipline or lack of discipline. Mm-hmm. And you realize that it's the work that is bringing down your health. In that case, you got to follow the procedure. You got to find an exit strategy, create an exit strategy, save up your money, line things up, get the ducks in a row, and then execute. Because your health is going to be more important than everything else. Yeah. Than everything else. All that yeah. money you could possibly make. If you got to sacrifice a year and a half, two years, and you're going to grind it out like an investment banker that shows up on Wall Street and is going to grind for two years and their health is going to suffer, but they've got a goal at the end of that, hey, understood. You, sometimes you got to do, but you yeah. got to, at the end of that two, three years, if, you, if you're not there and you're not where you want to be and you're starting to decline in health, you're going to get some stuff that you won't be able to recover from. Mm-hmm. So make your, make your decision. Then you come up with an exit strategy and move on. Do something else. Yeah, and health, health, and even like fitness is is this thing. It's called systemic versus direct. You know, as far as being beneficial. Mm-hmm. So, exercise is like one of the few things in your little hierarchy of of like needs or whatever that affects everything else. Like if you. If you're an unhealthy person versus a healthy person, the healthy person will be better at everything else. He'll be better at making money. He'll be better at all relationships. He'll be better, uh, obviously, health-wise in and of itself. I mean, obviously, if you've got some guy that's brilliant and really out of shape versus a guy that's an idiot who's in great shape, the brilliant person's probably going to make more money and do better in the long run. I mean, we're talking, you have to put them on a level in intellectual playing field. Yeah, you're talking about the same person. Oh, yeah, then for sure. For sure, the healthier person was going to win. But it, so, and compare that to the direct thing, like, will people be like, hey, making money's important, so it's more important than health. But here's the thing, making money doesn't improve your health. Making money doesn't necessarily improve friendship or romantic relationships necessarily. In fact, a lot of times it damages them. A Mm. lot of the times. Health doesn't damage anything. It improves everything. There's not anything that I can think of, anyway, that health makes worse. Yeah. Or being more fit makes worse. Get healthy, stay healthy. Yeah. Stay on the program. You know what? Um, And it's one of those things too, man, Those like working out. When you're on the road, that's a big one, right? It's hard to like get a solid workout on the road because you're busy or whatever. But there's – this is going to sound crazy, but when you think about it, it's not, not crazy, but sound kind of unrealistic. Where Okay, so this is what I've been doing recently when, when we went to New York for the muster and like all these other stuff. Before I go, I'll research jiu-jitsu gyms and fitness gyms where I can work out because like you said, the hotel gym is like – if you don't have anything else and you have, yeah. but you still have time, okay, good. But 
I research where are the gyms and prepare like, okay, how long is it going to take me to get there, work out, get back, all this stuff. And then you fit it in your schedule. And here's the thing. If you don't want to fit in your schedule, then don't work out. Then if, then health is not for you then. <laughs> but if you're like, oh, you're asking, you know, this kind of question where, you know, is it wrong to sacrifice health and, and all this stuff? That means you're concerned about health. Then be concerned about health. You can fit it in. Yeah. Be surprised what you can fit in. Just like you don't have to get that good of a workout, but you're fitting it in. But here's the thing. You can fit in a good workout. You just got to make yeah. room for that. And you got to plan. It's a psychological that. win, too. Like, I, if I'm going to speak somewhere, it, at a minimum, I'll do a couple hundred burpees before, yeah. I, go, before when I wake up. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. that just gets the blood flow and you're ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Bro, at the muster, I, there was no break in the program. I went to 24-hour fitness. I rolled a hard one at Hanzo's, and then we rolled at, at the muster, which wasn't hard necessarily, but there was a lot of rolls in there. Yeah. And so, man, it was there was no break in the program. But the point is because I knew you that that time. was I, – I made time exactly right. It was important. And I, I don't want to say it's important. Like it's the number one priority. I'm saying it's part of the, the whole what I'm doing. If it's not part of what you're doing, then then don't be healthy. Then don't make it part of what you're doing. I vote against you on that one. I say make time, be healthy. Yeah, I think so too. That's my opinion. <laughs> but I'm saying you know people. No, I know exactly you know, what you're saying. Uh, like yeah, people you're saying be like, if, if, I don't have time. Yeah. My job is so whatever. Hey, if you straight up don't have time, then you don't have time. Health is not for you. You chose everything else over health, and that's up to you. Here's I'm gonna go ahead and go on a limb here that most people you can make time. That's the point. Yeah. That's my whole point. Wake up a half hour earlier. Yeah, because you know. You know when you really don't have time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like one time, I don't know, two or three months ago, uh, we were, we came in and we we skipped jujitsu to record the podcast. Right. And I was like, man, we skipped jujitsu to record the podcast. We had no choice. Right. It was like if we didn't do that. We weren't going to get it done. I think I had a flight in the afternoon, right. and we just had to do it. Yeah. And so yeah, occasionally and that those things happen. Yeah. So consider that, right? So it's either skip jujitsu one day and get the podcast out. Or don't we could have easy we could have chosen train jujitsu don't do the podcast but at that point given all the circumstances the podcast that one day and skipping jujitsu that one day is more yeah. important for that one day because it's not like we're giving up jujitsu completely no. for this but well, it's we, not we that. were actually holding the line with the podcast exactly right and that was important that day because we were kind of faced with that thing what do you give up so what that's the question what do you give up. Do you give up yeah. watching, uh, you know, a, a movie in room service? Do you give that up? Well, give that up. Yes, give that up. Like I said, hey, if you don't have you time, know what's you weird? When I go to hotels, I don't even turn on the TV. Yeah, man, it's I don't been even a long turn time, on the TV because yeah. I don't have TV at home. And so I don't know. A year or two ago, I I went to some hotel and I f- turned on the TV, and next thing I know, you know, an hour and a half went by, and I was watching <laughs> some movie from 1986. Zoom going, you've got to be kidding me. Turn it off. Yeah. You know what I always do? I hang my chalk bag on the TV. That's my that's my standard <laughs> Dang, operating that's procedure. I hang my yeah. chalk because you know how they're all the thin TVs Wait, now. When you travel, when I travel, so you bring your chalk bag. Yes, I bring Dang. a chalk bag. I bring sweatbands for my wrists because sure. I sweat. Mm-hmm. I bring a chalk bag. I bring my little notebook. Dang, I bring good. Um, a mobility wad ball to do some mobility work, yeah. and I bring some one-inch tubular nylon. That I used to stretch. Oh, dang, That's what yeah. I bring. So you're good to and go regardless. Occasionally, like when we went to the muster, I brought rings with me. Wood yeah, rings, I saw that. That was good. Because I, <laughs> I knew I was going to be on a tight timeline. I knew I was going to have to you know, get some workouts done. Uh, yes. And I traveled a little bit heavier. Because yeah. I normally travel really light, but I had yeah. an extra bag. So then no rings. Amen. No factor. You were there for a while, too. 
yeah, a couple of weeks. Or yeah, so. I was in Austria and then came back to New York and then from New York to Texas. So it was a road trip. Yeah, dang. See, and you made it happen. And you're busier than the normal person, in my opinion. Kind of busy. And from yeah, uh, but again, man, I I think you know how that old saying. I think I don't know. You might have said uh, might have been Henry. I don't know where I saw it, but it's like there is no. Um, free time or spare time or you know work that there's just time you know it's it's one of those oh deals. lifetime that is Rollins that's a Rollins yeah. quote yeah so it's like time so there's no it, spare time there's no free time there's just lifetime just time yeah so you better just get on it so unless you're like Peter Atia remember when he was talking about what Peter Atia was talking about like there is no time you're just working the whole time like you can't even oh, sleep oh, you know at, uh, when he's at med school yeah oh, yeah. yeah so yeah. if you're in that situation th- then that makes yeah. sense like, you're not going to be like no hey i'm g- not doing this part of the, my med medical yeah. program when you know you can't pulling do that. over the side of the road to a park to fall asleep for an <laughs> yeah. hour because you yeah. haven't slept in nine days yeah, yeah. That's, so that's there good. are exceptions for sure but again like if you're in, doing room, room service or you're you know you're watching the game or you're stopping at the bar or doing anything i'm not even saying necessarily destructive things I'm just saying things that don't, aren't conducive to your quote unquote work that's keeping you so busy or whatever or that, that are essential. If you're doing these other things, then there's where you can make time. How can one ever have time if you don't take time? I like it. Next question. My wife and kids are quick to anger. Sometimes it's explosive like a Moab, mother of all bombs. <laughs> Other times it's a slow grinding war of attrition. Being a student of your podcast, I've learned the worst strategy is to directly attack their fortified emotional position. Mm-hmm. Seems like this is a good opportunity to employ the flanking maneuver. How do I effectively flank their anger without appearing weak? Okay, first of all, flank yourself because that appearing weak thing, that's pretty much in your head. Really, it is. It's legitimately in your head and that's the first thing you need to do. That's your ego talking when you don't want to when you don't want to when they hit you with something that they're angry at, the thing that's hitting back is ego. That's what's hitting back. Mm. So first thing you gotta do is, okay, I'm gonna check my ego right now because I'm gonna win the long war. In fact, you have to be careful when you stay calm when everyone else is angry, you have to actually be careful not to come across as aloof or you know, arrogant. Yeah, yeah. Like when people are getting mad, Okay, 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 for instance, if your wife is super mad about something and you show no emotions and you don't get mad at all, they get right. madder sometimes, right. right? Yeah. You don't even care about this, yeah. you know? So, no, I, no, so you got to you got to give a little bit, you know? I'm not saying it, oh, you know, a little bit of hey, I get it, right? Mm. But then what you want to do is absorb. Oh, they want to get mad? Cool. Absorb, take the screaming, give the head nod of understanding in a only marginally emotional way that pretty much communicates that I understand you're mad and I'm I'm listening and I hear you mm. you know I get it and let them get it out of their system mm. just let them get it out of their system then let them calm down and then after you've given them the time to kind of calm down and settle down and I mean it's longer than you think yeah. <laughs> it's it's longer than you think let them let, let, when you think they're calm, wait an extra 45 minutes, mm. if not two hours, probably two hours, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're not calm. To be safe, yeah. They just stop screaming, right? They're right, not calm. Right. <laughs> so, and then what you do is, and then what you do is you kind of take it on yourself. You're going to own it, right? 
and you say something like, hey, you know, that thing that made you mad, I want to make sure it doesn't happen again. I, you know, what, what can I do better to make sure that you don't get mad about that, right? Mm-hmm. You, take, you take ownership of that. What do I need to adjust? And what exactly is it that, that I did that frustrated you? What is it that frustrated you? What can I do to stop it? Maybe it wasn't me. Maybe you're mad at the printer. Sure. But, you know, how can we fix that? Because I don't want you to. And, and then, you know, so you have the, that kind of conversation. And, you know, you're going to slide something tactfully in there. Tactfully, because, again, you're still dealing with, like, you know, possible flare-up scenarios happening. <laughs> so, you know, but you, but you say something like, oh, you know, we both know that nobody benefits when people lose their temper, right? I mean, we got to be careful. You know, I, no one, it's not, it doesn't do us any good when people lose their temper. We, everyone knows that, right? So you slide those things in there. You're giving that kind of like, mm, mm-hmm. little mini lecture indirectly sure. about what's happening. And then when you have other conversations, now we're in just a normal day-to-day thing. You drop things about temper. You know, you talk about temper being, well, you know, it's a weakness and it's, no one makes good decisions when they have, when they lose their temper. I mean, it's some of the dumbest things I've ever done was when I lost, you know, everyone knows that, but you know, you so you start sliding those things in there that it's bad for your Decision making, it's bad for relationships, it's bad for your health, it's bad for life. Mm. And again, you're not directly saying these things. You're subliminally saying them. You know, it's man, I remember one time I lost some of the dumbest things I ever did when I lost mm-hmm. my temper and I kicked the wall and I broke my toe and I put a hole in the wall and the landlord came. God, that's when I man, I, I hate when I lose my temper. Mm-hmm. And you start getting them in the you get them thinking about it over time and this is the thing it's a long war and there's going to be relapses along the way Mm. but you got to just hold the line keep it steady absorb and then flank gently to get them to start self-recognizing where they're at and what their temper does to them Mm. temper's crazy yeah when you see people lose their temper it's it's a total loss of control. Yeah. It's a total loss of control. And it's just doesn't do anybody any good. And when you see someone that really loses their temper, you're like, what is wrong? Man? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And when I was a kid and I used to lose my temper. And at some point I just realized I forget what it was I forget what made me th- I think it was something my dad said to me. There's something about, you know, something along those lines of like, yeah, you lose your temper, it's like a little baby. Oh, loss of control. Okay, so you you when you realized it, that's because of yeah, something, your something dad my said. dad said to me. Something along the lines of like, you know, I think he was referring to an athlete or something, someone that just had no emotions, and how that was impressive. Yeah, and I was like, hmm, that is impressive. It's massive control. Over yeah, one just nothing is going to make me mad. Yeah, doesn't matter what's going on around me. Yeah. Yeah, it is like a baby, you know. Yeah. Like I said, you know, like babies, they cry and they whatever because they don't know how to talk. So if they knew how to talk and control everything, you they'd just think. be like, "Hey, I'm cold," or yeah. "Hey, I'm hungry," but they don't know how to talk. So why do adults go crazy and cry? Because they're babies. Because they don't know how to talk. If they, they if they cry for every talk. little thing, they're babies. Yeah, they don't know how to talk. I say, actually, you know what? Under um, uh, and it depends. It depends how much control and, and all these other little variables but it's like the front part of your brain that's the decision making like the conscious like oh okay I'm gonna make this deci- this conscious decision mm-hmm. right which is the last part of your brain to develop by the way and it's oh, like the conscious decision making yeah thing? the front the thing like frontal, frontal lobe. cortex you know something mm-hmm. like this and it happens and it fully develops around age 25 by the way so Oof. if you're 24, 23, 22, 21 and, all, and so uh, it put simply it's like okay my actions now how do they affect the future 
you know. So in one way or another, it's going to be kind of surrounded on that little premise, small little premise. So otherwise, you're just going on straight auto mode. However, you're, however you feel, that's going to influence. Not gonna totally control, but that's the thing that's going to influence your behavior. So times of stress, your frontal cortex start to shut down a little bit. Hunger, shut down a little bit. Uh, hormonal situations for guys and girls. Oh, so you lose your temper more. That's where hangry comes from. Hangry is one of them, <laughs> you know, and it's like all these things, loss of empathy, loss of like all this stuff where your decisions just aren't that dope. Yeah. And <laughs> so, and when I say hormonal, like that's why you get roid rage, you know, because like guys, if they're on steroids, that's their hormones are up uh. or girls PMSing. It's like a real, you know, premenstrual syndrome is like real their hormones are all oh so i remember one time my wife started when she was pregnant she started crying during an at&t commercial <laughs> like legit crying it's an auto so mode. So i was like oh my god what's wrong with her yeah, some of those are kind of sad man. they're just emotional nonetheless so why were you crying during hawaii 50 oh man <laughs> 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 I'm telling you, they're trying. Anyway, they're trying to make it deep, man. That show you're watching, nutties. Anyway, nonetheless, um, it's back to losing your temper and stuff. It is a weak thing, so it's kind of obvious, especially from the outside, to see that look. The, losing your temper is not cool, and a lot of people they think it's cool because it feels good. Yeah, you know, well, that it feels good. Feels and good. when you're a little kid, you respect it because you see someone lose their temper. Ooh, and you're like, you're scary. Oh my gosh, he's scary. Yeah. powerful. It's powerful, actually yeah. like turning into Superman, right? Yeah, in a way. <laughs> He's mean. He's feared. Yeah. But, Brett, yeah. you're not feared, Brett. You look stupid. Yeah, you look dumb. And, yeah. that's, the, that's the message to convey to your kids. Yeah. yeah. Is that losing your temper is stupid. Yeah. And, and man, some people there, they, you could tell they say that stuff with a little bit of pride. Like, you know, it's just me and my temper. Oh, God, my temper is going to get me in trouble. And I'm they're all like, head. Yeah, you know, bro. I'm a hothead, man. That's you like, know me. That should be the yeah, kind. Yeah, I do know you. you. I wish I didn't. That should be, if you say, hey, I just have a temper, that should be the equivalent of you saying, I don't know how to read. It should be that, hey, nothing wrong with it. You can get past it and, you know, whatever. I'm not going to judge you for it, but it's not good. It's not a good state to be in mm-hmm. to be someone who can't control your temper. Just like it's not a good state to be in as a grown adult to not know how to read. No judgment, but you solve that problem. That's A. B, if you're having, like, if your kids have a temper yeah. and they're easy to anger, it's because chances are, I don't know everybody, of course, but chances are they got it from the parents. Keep in mind, you're one of those parents. I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying that you have a temper. I'm not saying you don't, but I am saying, sure, kids have a temper. Your wife has a temper. You got to really honestly evaluate, do I have a temper? And understand that because the kids, they're just these little seeds of beings who are like hey how do i act i don't know how to act i'll act how you know just how i feel i'm gonna cry this is my default i'm just gonna cry when right. something's so wrong you're saying if the, the parents have a temper and show that and act that way the kids will learn it kids from are them. gonna learn it so there is some there is something like genetic though i th- well maybe i guess it could, we don't know yeah. if it's genetic or not but there's some we you know the father has a bad temper yeah. and then the kid has a, a bad temper yeah but there's no temper gene so what it is is there's a genetic situation for sure that you're more apt to not be able to control certain parts of or not not be able to control but but control less you know certain parts of your brain or chemistry is going to make you lean towards certain types of behavior like impulsive behavior or something like that there is that for sure but again man when you're a kid you're just looking for 
how do I act? I don't know. I'm growing up. I don't even know how to act. So the first thing you're going to look at is the people, the authority figures in front of you, the parents. If the parents aren't there, who are they looking to? I don't know. The guy next door, the guy on TV, the guy up the street, the guy in the music video, whoever. I don't know. Whoever's doing better than me. That's it. So if you're the the parent and you're losing your temper all the time, kid's going to lose their temper. That's what they're going to learn how to act. So point there is if you lose your temper or if your kids are losing your temper, you, you start with yourself because you know the kind, you know the kind, there's certain things that's real easy to see when someone else does it. Yeah. Most things, but yeah, but it's it really, yeah, you simply don't well, see it. It sounds like this guy here that asked this question, he's saying his wife loses his temper mm-hmm. and that could be where the kid is getting the, the modeling from. Right. Right. And he's saying he doesn't. Now, is there a chance that he does too? Probably, yeah. I guess so. But it sounds like he's pretty together and he's saying, look, I just need to get yeah. them to calm down. Right. So, yeah. In this situation, I'd say it's probably the wife who's losing her temper and then the kid is imitating or yeah. modeling and then we have this scenario happening. Yeah. So what we need to do is explain to everyone in the family that it's not good. We're not losing our tempers anymore. The, yeah, and the reason I say it too is, again, like I'm not saying he does lose his temper, but I am saying that it is a possibility that because if let's say me and your husband and wife and you let's lose your t- <laughs> how about we're just bros yeah well we're in a, you know let's the say, wife? <laughs> okay me and my wife okay if she loses the temper her temper and i'm taking the direct approach right yeah which i understand You're now temper more uh, no i'm gonna lose my temper back i'm gonna go fire yeah, yeah, i'm gonna yeah, fight yeah. fire with yeah. fire you raise your voice i'm gonna raise my voice the kids over there in the corner how do i act oh that's how i act right there that's a possibility and kids will become antisocial. that's the thing <laughs> goes on it's one of the things one of the many things Antisocial. i told you about that book called mind games small little book forget the author it, like pretty clearly and concisely laid out if you have anger issues, like what up with that? It's insecurities. Changed my whole life. Low self-esteem. Next question. Next question. Unless we want to go on. No. The, you sure? Next question. Okay. All right. Jocko Willink. Ta- tactics to flank slash shift a ferocious analyzer from paralysis to go. Meaning, uh, what, someone Execute. who overthinks yeah, things and, and hesitates all Planning and planning and planning and planning. Well, there's a couple things here. If, if the person is above you or below you in the chain of command. So if they're below you in the chain of command, you you know, you know explain to them, you say, look, we don't need perfection. We're not going to have a 100% solution. We don't have 100% of the information. That's a good enough solution. We need to move forward. Let's execute. Um, and you know what? I'll take if things go wrong. Don't worry about it. I'll take responsibility for it. I'm not going to blame you, which is what you're going to do anyways as a good leader. So that's what you're going to do if you're there below you in the chain of command. If they're above you in the chain of command, guess what? Same thing. You're going to tell say the same thing like, hey, boss, we don't need perfection here. Look, boss, we're not going to get all the information we need. We're not going to get 100% solution. We got a 90% solution. And let's go for it. And if things do go wrong, you can blame me. I don't care. So boom, whether they're above you or you know below you in the chain of command, you might change your tact or your verbiage a little bit, but it's the same same overall concept. You got to get them to understand that we don't need perfection. We need to move forward. And the other thing is, you explain the cost of not moving. 
the cost of staying still, the cost of being reactive instead of proactive, and basically the cost of not being aggressive, because that's what we're talking about is a lack of aggression. And so what does that look like? Well, you explain to them that the longer we sit, the better position the enemy gets into. The longer we wait, the less we know about what is actually happening. Think about that one. The more you sit here and you're planning, the less we know what's going on out there. The things are happening. Mm. They're changing. They're evolving. The enemy is maneuvering. Mm. There's developments on the battlefield or in the marketplace, and you don't even know because you're sitting in the planning space. Mm. The longer we wait, the less time we have to recover if something does go wrong. Mm. So if we sit here and plan for 47 days, and on the 48th day, we step out and we start to execute and something goes wrong, well, we're not going to make the 50-day mark because we spent all that time planning. Mm. So the longer that you're sitting around, the less time you have to recover and adapt and adjust. And the longer that you wait while you're doing planning, the less relevant your plan actually becomes. <laughs> so that's what you need to make people understand. And there's people that are just habitual and chronic ferocious analyzers mm-hmm. and those are the people you got to watch but you got to continually just get through their head that the more we sit the more the enemy maneuvers and if we let them maneuver on us anymore we're going to get killed mm. that's it pretty easy no well, not easy it's a simple concept simple it's hard to get people out of their own heads just like just like everything else it's hard for the ferocious analyzer to recognize themselves as that mm. they think they're doing a good job they think they're they think they're actually being thorough and you're a wild man. You're a cowboy. Yeah. Are you crazy? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not crazy. I remember one time my, my first deployment to Iraq, they said, Hey John, this is after I'd been there for a while and they wanted for some reason they wanted to know the minimum requirements for us to go out on an operation. And I said, I just need a vicinity of the target and of radio frequency to talk to the local uh, conventional units there mm. and they were like well don't you need air support don't you need this? And I was like all these other things I was like no we'll figure it out mm. just send us yeah we'll go and there was other things that we would do as we'd move to a target we'd align things up and we'd but we we'd be good yeah but sometimes people wanted to plan out every last detail yeah. and that doesn't work the details are not gonna stay the same the yeah. things that you're planning on are gonna change so yeah. don't sit there and plan every last detail because it's not going to help you. Man, that's that's actually a pretty good point. I never even thought about how you say if you spend too, mu- too much time planning, you know, and then you jump in the game all late. It's like, dang, you have no time to make any nope, adjustments. Can't react. You, oh, you it better go perfect because that's, that's the one <laughs> shot you got at it. And guess what? It's not going to go perfect because things don't go perfect. Yeah. Things are not going to go perfect. Not going to happen. No such thing as flawless execution. Dave Burke just wrote an article that was on Business Insider. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Like flawless execution doesn't happen. Yeah. He, you know, he was a top gun senior instructor for three years. He 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 knows about flying, yeah. and he knows how hard they worked to towards flawless execution. But it didn't exist. The flawless execution was was analyzing their mistakes, seeing what they can improve upon. That was the flawless execution for them. Yeah. It wasn't the actual act of flawless execution. They, you know what they had? Flawless debriefing. Yeah. Flawless analyzation of what they did wrong. Yeah. But it wasn't going to be perfect ops, and there's no such thing. It doesn't happen. Yeah. So if you're sitting and planning that, trying to make that happen, it's not going to work for you. Yeah. So don't do it. Just jump. Just go. Next question. Jocko got a question. He actually wrote that. Yeah, he did. Yep. He's fully in the game. 
Got a quest. How would, how would you deal with a team member who tries to take all the responsibility but cannot do as good a job as others? I don't know if it's sincere, helpfulness, or desire of power, or desire for power. Ooh. See, there's a little twist on that one. You yeah. Hear that little twist that puts a lot on that question right there. And so you got a guy that's want, trying to take all this responsibility for everything, not really as good as he should be to right. be in that position, but trying to take responsibility. And yet the person that's got the quest, he doesn't know if it's sincere trying to just help out the team or a desire for power. So mm. is it helpfulness or is it their quest for power? Where are they coming from? How do we figure that out? Mm. Well, for one thing, if someone is truly trying to help the team, they will have an open mind to support and suggestion and help from other people. They'll be open to that yeah. because they're just trying to do the best for the team. If they're trying to take or maintain power, which as we know is driven by ego, they don't want help and they don't want suggestions from people either. They're just going to do it my way. I got this, no, it's mine. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference. So there's gonna be two different ways that I'm gonna handle this situation. So for a person that's actually trying to help and trying to do a good job, I'm gonna bolster them up. I, I love it. The fact that they have some shortfalls, that's okay. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna give them some support. I'm gonna put some people on their team that can help cover some of those shortfalls. I'm gonna try and set them up to win and learn and be educated while they are winning. And if they're humble, which I'm assuming that they are because they have this attitude that they're trying to help out everyone, then while I'm doing this whole process, of course, I'm coaching them and I'm mentoring them and giving them suggestions and I'm turning to someone that can do a good job in that situation. So that's pretty easy. You got someone that wants to take ownership and responsibility and they're doing it for the right reasons, boom. Let's help them out. Let's support them. Let's get them training. Let's get them knowledge and let's get them up to speed. We got an upcoming leader. I dig it. If it's an ego-driven person and they are maneuvering for the power, well, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to let them get humbled by the experience. Because remember, it's stated that they're not as good as they could be at this job. They're not particularly good at what they're trying to take control over. So that's fine. I'm going to let them get humbled by it. Now, I'm going to assess the risks. I'm going to make sure that no one's going to get hurt or no one's going to get killed or we're not going to fail a mission or in the business world, make sure they're not gonna lose millions of dollars, or we're not gonna suffer some kind of a strategic setback, but I am gonna let them fail a little bit and let them see that they're not as good as they think they are. I'm gonna let them learn about humility, right? I'm gonna let them learn about humility. Now, if they learn, if they are humbled by that, and they realize that they're not as good as they realize that they're not ready to control everything, and they realize that they need help, if they learn from it, and they don't just cast blame, then they'll become a much better leader. You will actually help them by letting them get humbled. If they just get done and they just cast blame, then we see them fail, and now we have legitimate reason to say, look, I can't put you in charge, you just failed. I can't allow this to happen again. So that's how I would basically handle that situation now. Of course, there's all different kind of gradations of of those realities. And the answer will be somewhat scaled as well, right? So you, that's what you do. You scale the answer. Maybe you give this person a little bit of help, but you're going to let them stumble a little bit. 
you know, maybe you're not going to give them any help at all. You're going to let them fall flat on their face. Maybe you're going to bolster them up a lot, but you're still going to talk to them and say, hey, listen, you need to step back and get more in the weeds on some of the lower level stuff because you're not ready to manage this yet. You know, Mm -hmm. so it's cool, but that's my basic overall concept of where I would be going with that. Do you find that, like, even with the expression extreme ownership, mm-hmm. or in this case, take with that all the responsibility, do you find that, not people get confused, but, you know, yeah, like, people will kind of get confused. You know how you say, okay, take responsibility, because it seems like, anyway, from what I told, think I totally understand with extreme ownership is yeah, you're I think I totally <laughs> understand. Oh, I like it. I like you, where you're coming from. You take responsibility high, you sort take, of. You take responsibility for the mistakes and the solution. Yes. Right? That is extreme ownership. So and then but then it from what I heard like sometimes when people ask questions it'll kind of this one's kind of ambiguous, but sometimes people will ask it ask a question or make a statement comment whatever in terms of take responsibility or take ownership of like not of the problems or the, or the solutions but but like before the mission like this is my yeah, mission so this is my yes, you can overstep you can be you can use too much extreme ownership you can say hey this is my echo this is my mission i'll tell right. you how to do it now yeah, you no don't have input any ownership, from right. you no input from you that's it's bad. all me yep yeah and by the way i'm taking all the credit too when we get right. back which exactly. is actually equally wrong right what i should do is say hey i will echo i'm in charge of this but hey man i want you to come up with a good plan i think you've got a great insight i think you know the terrain better than me can you come up with a good plan mm. and then we get back if it's if it's a successful mission i'm like hey guys everyone look what echo did and I, I tell the commanding officer echo ran this great operation i think he's ready to step up in leadership he really did a superb job if it fails what am i doing pointing the finger at echo no i'm coming yeah. back and saying hey boss here's a mission failure these are the mistakes i made here's what i did wrong here's what i'm gonna fix next time that's real simple so, so would you say in a nutshell, extreme ownership applies to the problems and the solutions to those problems, and that's all. No, it applies to everything. It applies to everything because even when I say, hey, Echo, I want you to come up with a plan for this, yeah. you come back and brief me with a plan, yeah. I still take ownership of the plan. It's your plan, yeah. but I go through it and I say, okay, this looks like a good move. Hey, Echo, right. I'm looking at this right here. I don't know if this is the best way to execute this. Right, here's, right, right. The, here's the issue. So I'm not taking ownership of it that I'm pulling it away from you, but I'm definitely gonna make sure we win. I, I That's the thing that drives me crazy sometimes with leaders is they don't realize it but they're making excuses because they'll say, oh, you know, I let, I let, I'm decentralized command, so I, I can't control everything. No, actually, you are responsible for everything. And if I got three teams out there and you're one of the team leaders and I come to you and say, hey, Echo, here's the plan I want you to execute, I still have to look at the plan. I still have to make sure that I agree with what you're doing. I have to make right, sure right. you're not doing something that doesn't make sense. Right. So I, yes, I do have ownership of the plan. Yeah. Absolutely. Like it's your family member or something yeah that plan is like it's i love it like a son kind of yeah the plan is the plan you came up with a plan you created it it's my grandkid yeah yeah. (laughs) right so you're it's yours but i'm still going to take responsibility and ownership of it but where people it's when your ego starts flaring up and i start saying no it's my plan and we're gonna do it my way that's where we have issues yeah but yeah the the ownership doesn't stop and it it just doesn't stop when you're in a leadership position it doesn't stop you own everything up and down the chain of command it's hard to do it's hard on your ego for sure yeah 
because it kind of seems in a way counterintuitive. I guess if you understand the, the, all the little subtle dynamics of it, because you know how like if the plan fails, boom, that's when the extreme ownership is really going to show its head. For but sure. if it's a super successful, flawless plan, it doesn't. It's more covert. Because it's more internal. Because yeah. you got to give the credit for sure. to everyone else. Everyone will will sit there and go, "Oh, Jocko's, you know, he's he's giving the credit to Echo for the operation." You won't show up as extreme ownership yeah. for sure. It'll be harder to see. Yeah, and it, people will say, "Dang, it, people know that I was in charge, right?" They know yeah. I'm the overall guy, so I'm still going to get some credit, right? It's more covert, but but, but it's way more covert, and it's yeah. better. It's yeah. better. Right, that's, right. that's that's the hard On the thing. Inside. That's what's so hard for people to realize. They want so bad to raise their hand and say, "Yes, it was me. It was my. Yeah. It was my operation." <laughs> but it true. doesn't help you. Yeah. It doesn't help you. It feels good for like half a second, and then you realize you just de- deflated yourself. Is that kind of like when you make a donation to charity, but you want like everyone to know that you did it? It's kind of like that. Yeah, I guess it's similar to that. Similar concept, right? Like in a weird kind of profound way. I guess we'll just move on to the next question. Just the, the profoundness of your last statement. <laughs> just saying, on a, on a certain level, it's the same thing. Because, you know, you did something good, you know, or you are something good or whatever, but it's like saying, I'm I'm the most humble guy in the world. You know, I'm just super here's, down to here's, earth. Here's the other thing about this. When I give you the credit for success, yeah. not only do I win covertly, Sure. In that you look at me and go, man, he, he gave me a couple of corrections that were critical to this operation and he's not even saying anything. So you have even more respect for me, which means you're going to work harder for me in the future. Yeah, yeah. You're going to do even more and we're going to look even better. So I am going to ultimately win yeah. because my team is going to be kicking so much ass all over the globe and people are going to say, yeah. wow, you know, this, these guys are just winning everywhere they go. Yeah. And, 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 and so it's very, very positive. Whereas if I took that credit from you, on that first operation and I took it from you. How hard are you working on that next one? Not as hard. Not as hard. You know, maybe you're a great guy. Maybe you're a great guy. But you're just a great guy, but you're still not going to go that extra little edge. You're not going to do it because you're not going to get credit and you're not going to do it because you don't care that much about making me look good as you would if I was taking care of you. Yeah, There's nothing better than having guys that you're taking care of. They know you're taking care of them and they're going to do anything for you. Like yeah. they're going to do anything. They yeah. you, you you know and you'll do anything for them. It's a mutual thing. It's real. Yeah. It's a real thing. Yeah. It's like the gift that keeps on giving, really. It is. It's it a powerful tool. It. You know that's why the book's been so popular and it's and and it's it's why the book has been so popular. Because when you when you break it down and people see what it does, they realize how powerful it is. Yeah. And it's and it's also, you know, another reason that the book is so popular is because we put it in a very clear way. Yeah. And it's easier to understand. It doesn't make it easier to execute, but it makes it easier to understand for sure. Yeah. It's crazy too how and someone said I forget, it might have been someone at the muster. I don't know. Could could have very well been on Twitter. I don't know. But uh, oh someone was saying how it's so interesting how they started to realize that it applies to their relationship with their like husband or wife oh, or something for sure. like that. And I always kind of look at all this stuff as primarily that, mm. you know, because I mean, who do I, especially now, who do I work with? You. you know? so I'm <laughs> like, oh, I don't have to like, I don't go through these extreme ownership struggles, <laughs> you know, with you. So it's more, you know, so to me, everything just applies to like your relationship with your wife, my wife, yeah, whatever, yeah, you yeah. know. So and it all translates all of it. It does. 
Yeah. When you take ownership of stuff, you it's when you take ownership of stuff, then you can yeah. control the outcome. Yeah, it's crazy. When the you one, don't own it, you don't get anywhere. Yeah, and that that um, you know, you have a I don't know disagreement, argument, any any ripples in the water where the instinct is to to point fingers, you know. Mm-hmm. But when you even though the other person is really in the grand scheme of things, you're both to blame. I know that, but. They do have their huge role in the issue, in the yeah. problem. Don't do that. Don't, don't even pay do attention to that. All you got to do is shine the light on your own things and say, don't, I mean, and th- how you say, don't be, don't like be hard on yourself. You know, like that kind of like, the kind, I suck. I suck. It's not that. It's, no, it's like, uh, what did I, I do, do? This is what I can do. Exactly right. So what's interesting is, and you said it from the beginning, but it is interesting to just watch it play out. <laughs> so fun. it's almost fun, but it's more just real interesting where when you do it and you just keep doing it, you always do it. That's the thing. Consistently do it. You just watch how the other person just changes yeah. and just becomes kind of the same thing. And before you know it, like the ripples in the water are pretty much gone. Yeah. And what's you need someone in the team has got to start doing it yeah. that's that's one of the hardest things yeah. if occasionally we'll work with a company where everyone's like oh yeah extreme ownership no one is actually doing it yep when no one is actually doing it and all they're saying is like hey, i wish that guy had extreme ownership and yeah. that guy should have extreme ownership and i don't see anyone else taking ownership and hey i haven't seen anyone else taking ownership and therefore how can i take ownership yeah. you know we send out when we work with a company we'll send out surveys uh, you know, pre-class surveys and then post because we'll we'll do a number of sessions. Mm-hmm. So we'll send out to the leadership team that we're working with. How's it going? And we'll we'll send out a week later, two weeks later, three weeks later, four weeks later. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you get a team where no one is taking ownership, and and literally you'll hear people say, "Well, the boss isn't taking ownership. So how can I take ownership if right. the boss isn't even taking ownership?" They don't realize. That when your boss isn't taking ownership, it is an opportunity for you to take ownership and to excel and to gain respect and trust and power and power, which is a good thing because you're doing things for the good of the team. So you want to have power. I want to have power when I'm when I'm a team leader. I absolutely want to have power. And the reason I want to have power is so I can distribute it properly amongst my team. And I can utilize it so we can be successful in our mission. So when you have your CEO isn't taking ownership, awesome. I'm going to take ownership. And when the rest, if the CEO is truly not taking ownership and I do, everyone else looks at me and they start to, I elevate my position. The CEO becomes irrelevant because all he's doing is sitting around pointing fingers. I'm taking ownership of things and solving them. I'm actually going to end up in a superior position. Now, I might not get promoted to CEO today or tomorrow or in two years but when this information gets back to the board or to the directors or whoever they realize that there's one person that's mutually respected by everybody and that's you because you took ownership Hmm. and when you take ownership you solve problems and when you solve problems you win but somebody has got to start it and it's hard sometimes in some situations you get the the what's that word they use like the caustic environment Right, toxic. The, the toxic environment where everyone's just so, so defensive about yeah, everything, yeah. and it's difficult. Those are the difficult situations to yeah. to work with. You and all it takes is the transition of one human, one person in that team to step up and say, "You know what? This stuff that's going wrong is my fault. 
CEOs, don't worry about him. He's got enough problems. He's got to deal with the. He's got to deal with the shareholders meeting. We don't. We need to protect him. Yeah, yeah. You know what? This is my fault that this happens, and here's what we're gonna do to fix it. Yeah. Here's what I'm gonna do, and that just changes the attitude. And and of course, you're gonna have two or three people in that defensive, toxic environment that are gonna yeah. look at him and go, "Yeah, it's right. It is your fault." And you know what yeah. you say to that? Yeah. Yes, yeah. you're right. Okay. It is. Yeah. It is my fault. And here's what I'm gonna do to fix it. Here's how I'm gonna move forward. Here's what we're gonna do to change. But it's hard to be that person yeah. to take that first step. And then you got to keep that going, you know. But again, man, after a little bit, you see the guy next to you. He's yeah, starting to do it. To then the guy next you know, to you. You know, in, in extreme ownership, the book it. it it's pointed out, but it's not super crystal clear that when I was taking blame for the blue on blue that happened, everyone mm. else was too. You know, yeah. those guys were saying, "Hey, it was my fault. I did this. It was my fault. I did this." Yeah, and that was because that was it, that wasn't the first time these guys had seen or yeah. heard ownership. You know, yeah. when we were going through training and something was screwed up, I'd be like, "Hey, this is my fault." This is what, I, and so everyone had that really good attitude. Yeah, yeah. So, and that happens in a company. So what you're saying, it does. That's one of the best things about this idea, this principle of extreme ownership is it spreads throughout the company. And will you get people on the team that will not take ownership of things? Yes, of course you will. You will get that person. And eventually they will either leave or you will fire them. One one of the two things will happen because when you have a person, when you got the whole team is going, no, it's my fault, and eventually everyone's, oh, you, oh, you, that's not your responsibility. Cool, I'll take that. Mm-hmm. Oh, Echo, you can't handle that. Cool, or, that's not your fault. Okay, then I'll I'll take it and fix it. Oh, yeah. Echo, you can't handle that either. Or it's not your fault. Okay, I'll take that and fix it. Eventually, you don't have a job anymore. Yeah. So if you want, don't want to take ownership of things, including problems, I will take ownership of all of them, and I'll eventually take your job and your yeah. world, and it'll be mine. Gets phased right yeah, out. I'll phase you right out, like you weren't even there. <laughs> that's what's gonna happen. So, yes, it's a powerful, powerful tool. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, you see, like you see politicians do it all the time. They don't take ownership when they make a mistake. And when they yeah. do, it's sort of this lip service of, hey, you know, it was my fault. It was my fault that this happened, but. Right, right. But blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. blah. Anti- and, and all anyone hears is blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like once, as soon as you say but and then you make a bunch of excuses, that's all anybody hears. Yeah. And there's just, it's so weak. Yeah. It's so weak to do that. And it sounds, when, like you said, when you get used to hearing it, when you get used to hearing people take ownership of things, when somebody doesn't, yeah. it sounds like <laughs> Satan is screaming out yeah. of their mouth and, and just horrible. It sounds yeah. awful. Yeah. It's, like a, it's like a cacophony of just, just, <laughs> just sickness, right? That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, it stands out for sure. You know, when we were at the muster, it's like, I was talking about how when you start taking ownership of things, when you start having this attitude, when when you feel yourself about to make a mistake and, and, <laughs> and cast blame, blame on someone else, yeah, yeah. It, like you feel like you're gonna throw up in your mouth. Yeah. It, it's like you it's like you, it's like vomit is coming out of your mouth and then you <laughs> choke it back down because yeah, you don't want to let that puke out onto the floor <laughs> yeah. and let everyone see it. Yep, it's not allowed. That's all it is when you blame everyone else. That's all it is. It happens all the time, and it's so, it's it's the it's it's like the other thing I talk about with with. Um, Stepping back and and how you step back off the line and how much visibility you have as soon as you step back off the firing line as soon as you 
just elevate yourself six inches above what's happening, it's the same thing when you start to take ownership. It's like the change, it's just this little change, yeah. but it just completely changes the dynamic of what is going on in your business and in your life. Yep. In your life, because it's the same thing in life. When people are blaming everyone else, they're blaming the market and they're blaming their parents and they're blaming the the debt that they built up and they're blaming the car that broke. They're blaming everything else that's going on. Yep. And when you, when all, when everything, when nothing is your fault, what are you going to fix? Yeah. The answer is you're not going to fix anything. Whereas if you go, okay, these are some mistakes that I made, and here's what I'm going to do to fix them. Mm. That's the paradigm change, and that's where you start getting on the right path. Yeah. The, the muster, your line at the muster. I included it in the video. Favorite line, I think, says. Sure, I'll take the blame, and I don't care. I have a mission to ac- to accomplish, and I got to get the problem solved. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, it's in the video. Best part, of my opinion. Yeah, I will take the blame, and I, I don't, don't care. I don't care. Bring it. Bring it, Jocko. We got time for one more. Yes, I think we do, Jocko. On the Joe Rogan experience, Everlast. From House of Pain was on. Everlast was explaining how he wasn't in shape and Joe played the good video for him. Everlast said it is inspiring but it didn't always work. And the example he gave was his sick daughter who had a lung disease that the doctors can't explain. I wondered the same thing. How is a sick child good? You know I I saw that episode as well and it's Definitely a hard question. And actually to quote a song, a great song by Everlast. And I I haven't walked a mile in his shoes and I've been extremely lucky and and blessed with the health of my family my wife and my children and I am so so thankful for that but I have been around disease and I have been around death and of course to say there is something good about death and disease is impossible to do to to hell with disease to hell with with cancer and ALS and heart disease and all the rest of them to hell with them all and death to hell with death I have nothing good to say about disease or death curse them both but but then what is that where I'm supposed to focus Am I to latch on to death and disease and ride with them down to the depths of despair? 
I say no. No, I will not ride with them. I will not go down their evil path. Instead, because I cannot find good in their vile darkness, the vile darkness of disease and of death, I will not feed their fire. I won't feed their egos. Instead, I'm going to look elsewhere. I will look to life and light, and I will find good in those places. I'll find good in every moment I get. I'll find good in every breath. I'll find good making memories and holding them dear. I'll find good in knowing that I will learn from this horrible experience. That everything that I'm going through, all the pain and suffering and darkness, it'll make the light brighter and stronger and more powerful. More powerful than disease and more powerful than death. So, cry and scream and shake your fists at the sky and curse death and curse disease and shout to the world that life isn't fair and that this is not deserved, not for me, not for my child, not for my friend, my spouse, my brother, my sister, not for anyone. And then look up and breathe and all that darkness and all that evil let it all go and when it creeps back again let it go again let it go and look forward toward the light toward life toward the future and of the past let the memories the sacred memories let those flourish and grow and expunge the darkness from your world and replace it all with good. And I think that's 
all I've got for tonight. So. It's a rough one. Yeah. I think, um, probably that guy. It's like, I think that, like that, like that outlook on it is, is, Import because that's not just easy to do, you know. No. Especially, man, and me, bro, I've been lucky. Like my daughter had a staph infection, mm-hmm. you know, in her lymph nodes in the hospital yep. for like week, week and a half, something like that. And, and I was and, like, and you have the viewpoint, you're lucky that that happened. Oh and my, you, you know, when you go to a children's ward and you see kids that are just suffering from horrible diseases, it's awful, and you feel lucky, exactly yeah. as you should. Yep. Hey, we're lucky to have this. Yeah, and at in that moment when we were in the hospital, I'm like, you know, like you're scared, you're like sad, scared for them, you know, it's just, but I think that just even hearing that is like, it's kind of like it does help, you know? Well, yeah. And it's one of the things that, you know, when I, when I, you know, when you talk about the reaction you have and, you know, the fact that, it's okay to like scream and shake your fists at the sky. That's okay for that. And then I'm saying, you know, that you got to let it go. But at the same time, uh, everyone's got to realize that like, like you let it go. It's coming back. Yeah. It's coming back and it'll sneak up on you again. Yeah. And then you got to do it again. You know, you got to, you got to go through that. You got to scream and, and, curse the evil that it is and then you got to let it go again and you're going to go through that cycle over and over again but what you can't do is you can't not go through the cycle you can't just get trapped in the screaming and the suffering yeah. and the pain you can't get trapped there and it's really hard and i noticed that you know when i had when i had my friends get killed overseas i realized you know when we'd be home and like everything would be normal like maybe we'd be out having some beers with the boys or we'd be doing something and all of a sudden like you just get hit with this wave of yeah. sadness yeah. and it would kind of just almost instantly I'd be like breaking down I'd be like, like ready to cry or crying and then three minutes later I'm like out of it you know mm-hmm. I just had to get rid of it I just had to expunge that sadness yeah and but what you can't do is you just can't get caught in those cycles and I think that's what happens to people and again I, I haven't walked a mile in those shoes but what I have seen is I know that it's hard I know that it's heartbreaking but you can't let it break everything you have to try and hold it together yeah it's like part of the like going through I know this on a low level I guess I understand it's like a low level but part of like the feeling that you get is like like what do I do like I I feel like I can't do anything and then that provides these feelings you know but if you start to to understand what it is that you do have to do and one of those things is is essentially like understand it that yeah it's going on don't try to block it or escape do some escapist activity or whatever just know and understand that it's going on and then on top of that, on top of it, like, your job is to be strong, you know? Yep. You know, that's that's another thing that I've noticed, especially, and it happens with anybody, but with some of my f- SEAL friends, 
that have been in these horrible situations is they're alpha guys that are you know used to being in control of everything and used to being able to control the outcome and you you, all of a sudden you can't yeah you can't control the outcome and then what do you do well it's like we learned from Charlie Plum it's like we learned from Bill Reader you can't control that thing the only thing you can control is your own attitude your own view of what's happening and if you're if you control your attitude and you make your attitude the best possible attitude it can be that's the best you're gonna do and again I wish there was some I don't have some uh, miracle solution to these situations and no one does if we had the miracle these problems wouldn't happen these horrible things wouldn't happen so what can we actually control well what we can control is our own view of it our own assessment our own attitude and that sounds such like a trite word but our own attitude of what's happening and make that as good as we can and are there gonna be points where your attitude turns completely dark and negative of course there are how can you not but don't let it be permanent don't let it be permanent for the sake of the situation for the sake of the person you care about they don't want you to live like that so don't and again you know it's gonna be sick cyclical from what I've seen it's gonna be cyclical in nature the way it happens the way people deal with these horrible emotions is they go down and then they come up and then they go down and they come up and and when they go down when your emotions go down and when you get dragged into the the the, the mindset of loss then I think the best thing to do is just embrace it grab it say yeah and sh- like I said shake your fist at the sky and scream and then let it out get it out and then pick it back up and say to yourself okay that was horrible that's darkness that's evil that I couldn't control what can I control and how can I have the best possible view and what can I learn from all this that's gonna make me a better person with a better life to live the best I can in their memories even yeah man and man when you're in the situation like especially with working out where your daughter's like you know in the hospital or whatever and you're like yeah I haven't worked out this whole week yeah. It's like who cares about yeah, who workouts? Cares? Your daughter's in the hospital. Yeah. You know, ooh, you didn't make it to jujitsu. Like you don't care about jujitsu anymore. Yeah. You just care about this one thing, you know. But again, just like how you said, it's like so. It's like this big burden in life because really, you know, your do- a lot of time your kids are like all you have. Really, it feels like so. If you don't have them, who cares about jujitsu? Who cares about working out? I don't have anything. You know, there's no reason to even do them really. But aside from the fact is there is more like to your life and in fact the more your whole life beside them is for them you know so you gotta you gotta kind of you gotta keep that i think yeah no doubt yeah And and i think that's always an important thing to remember is that if you surrender to all that bad evil darkness 
that's the legacy that's the example that's what you're showing as opposed to showing the legacy and showing the example of not giving up of moving forward of driving on and doing the best you can with life and with the things that are good and again having the attitude to control the things you can control and put them in the best possible light that you can yeah and it's a and it's a spectrum you know i mean it kind of puts into perspective in my opinion why you should do the best you can when things are going good yeah because they're not always going to go good yeah that's my opinion anyway speaking of doing the best you can Hey, look, working out, we know, obvious, obvious, workout. Work out hard, too, you know? I mean, maybe not every single day working out hard, but work out hard. And when you do work out hard, you might need some supplementation. I think I wasn't a supplement guy. I wasn't before. You know this, right? I do. I might have mentioned it. Everyone knows. <laughs> but now I am a supplement guy. Happy to say, not the kind of supplement guy who's like, hey, take this power gainer. Hey, what kind of protein powder you take? But even though I'm not against protein powder, I don't take any. <laughs> but nonetheless, you know what I'm talking about. Krill oil. I'm going to say to my father-in-law, his name is Ross. I'm sorry for not heeding all of you. Is heeding, heeding mm-hmm. is just yep. advice. I, yep. Can you heed advice or is it just yeah, you warnings? Would heed advice. You okay. Heed it. So you can heed warnings and advice. Yes. I should have heeded Ross's advice, my father-in-law, about the krill oil. Eventually, Jocko turned me back onto it or further onto it. So I'm on it now. I think um, on know, it, you'd literally. be happy. Literally on it, yeah. on it. Dot com. Pun intended. <laughs> anyway, on it is the company. If you didn't know already, I get Jocko gets krill oil from on it. On it.com. If you want 10% off all these supplements, which are what? Shroom tech. Okay, shroom tech, good for oxygen uptake, is what it is. So when you're doing these hardcore metcons, jujitsu, your body takes up the oxygen easier, more, more efficiently. Cordyceps mushroom. Some science for you right there. Strong bone, that helped me. But I had this, um, and I kind of wanted to report this before, but I didn't want to take too much time. And the jury was still kind of out on it. But so I had this tendonitis kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And it's weird. It wasn't in like a normal place, like in your elbow. It was in my deltoid muscle mm-hmm. where it inserts into the humerus bone, which mm-hmm. is your like bone under your bicep. And it was like tendonitis and it's like, you know, the kind of like, I'm not injured, I'm not out, but yeah. I gotta warm up more, so I gotta rub on it, you know, all this stuff. And I'm lifting her, I'm not gonna take days off if I'm not injured. So, Brad, this thing wasn't gonna get better. That's the thing about tendonitis. Like, if you keep lifting hard on it, it just simply won't go away. It's the whole reason there's tendonitis, because you're <laughs> lifting hard on it, you know? Uh, Brad, this thing's not going away, I'm just gonna have to live with it or wait for, you know, the time where I, I don't know, have to skip workouts, whatever. But I'm on the strong bone, I'm like, all right, strong bone, let's see what up, you know, do your thing. I'm not saying it was because of the strong bone, but nonetheless, the tendonitis, it's not completely gone, I'll be honest with you, but it's pretty much gone. I'm warming up normal. I'm a believer of the strong bone. Thanks for turning me on to that 
Check. Jocko. Anyway, go on there. There's a lot of good stuff for a lot of good things from supplements. And there's workout stuff on there, too. So I already had weights and a gym membership. But when you go on there, you see the stuff that they have, you're going to get some of that, too. Because it's not like normal like kettlebells. You know, there's uh, all the cool ones. Um, and there's info, too, on this stuff. Like, I understand that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of us, we want more info than just, oh, yeah, Jocko takes it, so I'm going to take it. Some of us are like that. Anyway, we need more info. So there's info on the website. Be careful that you can get stuck on there because it's real interesting <laughs> and in-depth, by the way. So just be careful with that. Anyway, on it.com slash Jocko. I recommend the krill oil. Big time. To me, if you're not on the krill oil, you're you're behind. You're like a good one to two steps behind. Like mm. step steps, mm. not like a half step. Like you're behind. <laughs> if I had a twin brother, which I do, you give us a five-year period, two-year period. I'm on krill oil. He's not on krill oil. We do the same exact workout program, same lifestyle. I'm way ahead of him. Way ahead of him. Way more functional. Is this factual? Uh, that's it's. This is my hypothesis. Oh, okay. It's hypothetical. Is Jade on Krillo? I don't. Yeah, he's on Krillo, but he don't have the same. He doesn't get after it physically as much as I do. So this, yeah, it's hard to have that for a basis of comparison for the Krill oil. Nonetheless, good stuff on there. And the good thing about Onyx, you can, I can say this with pretty much, with absolute certainty at this point, is that it's the good one. It's good stuff because supplements in general. I don't want to mention any store names, but you know, when you go in the meathead bodybuilder store, a lot of those supplements are, are they're whack. <laughs> they just have like sparkly like labels and stuff in their junk on it is not like that. Um, get 10% off. If you want 10% off, go on it.com slash Jocko. That's a good way to support this podcast as well. Another good way to support my opinion. You know, what's, what's interesting is, okay, you read, you review books on mm-hmm. here, and sometimes, actually a lot of times when you have the guests, you actually have their book, and you read their book to them. Yeah. Which yeah. is like a switcheroo. That was, and I think I probably talked about this, but when we had Jody Minnick, this is the first time it happened, yeah. Jody came on, and you know, I had his book, and I was like, okay, well, should I have him read this, or right. should I read this, or uh, I just wasn't quite sure, and it seemed like... The common sense answer would be, Jody, read this section of your book. Right, right? That right. was kind of like and the common explain. sense answer, and then you could talk about it. And for some reason, my gut told me, don't, no, Jocko read it. I read yeah. it, right? And as soon as we got, you know, probably, I don't know, halfway through it, Jody said, you know, something like, man, hearing you read this is like crazy to hear. Yeah. And, it, and it's true when you, hear someone else read something to you it's it's different yeah. <laughs> it's different yeah. so uh, so that's what i've done every time since you know when we had colonel reader on here and he said the same he said thing the same thing you know yeah. it's it's hard it's when he's you know he's like he's saying the most unemotional way he's right. like when you're reading this to me it's extremely emotional for me to hear yeah. <laughs> i'm thinking yeah. You know, but it's and and same thing with with uh, Captain Plum. You know, same thing and I'm, Mannion as well. Yeah, and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's really interesting uh, the way that works, and it's yeah. definitely it's unbelievable to have the author sitting there. Yeah, and to have my spin. Yeah, because that's what it is, right? It's my it's the way I hear it. Yeah, and 
for them to hear the way I hear it, they it it, it hits them from a different angle. Yeah. Right. So I think yeah. that's I think that's where the the interesting, yeah, powerful part comes from. And you, it's int- yeah, it is very interesting, and it's interesting to watch it. Because and you know you you're a little bit different than a typical person just reading a book you know so you really get the to me is what what it feels like is like that's kind of how the book is supposed to feel you know mm. like when you read it or whatever so you know the point is like uh, I think a lot of people feel that so you know they say oh I want to go get this book but yeah. they're like oh what was that book again I got to rewind it so anyway you don't have to do that just go on our website chocolatepodcast.com there's a section on the top books boom yeah, there they are all the books by episode. Boom, you can get them. And, and when you buy your books through there, support the podcast as well. So, boom, double, double edge. Double gravitational. Double. <laughs> no, it's like, a, no, it's a two pronged sphere. Now, what if, you sphere. Just, what if you weren't getting a book? You were getting like duct tape? Anything, yeah. So, that's the thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a, there are Amazon click through situations. So, yeah, even if before you do your shopping, boom, just click through. We got banners, Amazon banners all up on there. Click there, but most people they do the books, you know. But yeah, if you're doing your shopping as well, do some that. Some people Good do support. golf clubs, golf clubs, whatever you some like. Some people do cameras. Some people done some pretty cool high ticket, high dollar items, yeah, which is very impactful. And then the low ticket items, low lower cost items, you might not think it's a big deal, but then when a bunch of people do it, it is a big deal, and it's very very helpful. Yeah, to the podcast. Yep. Good way to support Amazon Click Through. Boom. Uh, also good way to support this podcast is to subscribe seems obvious I know but you know if you haven't subscribe on iTunes Google Play Stitcher what's the other one that I keep missing I don't know hey man whatever podcast those, those are the three that I post someone said something about SoundCloud I gotta look into it I don't think that that's a subscribe podcast situation I, I don't think know they're just audio fi- I don't I don't know either so I shouldn't even say anything but nonetheless I look into it <laughs> if in fact people are committed to the sound cloud situation anyway subscribe if you haven't already also YouTube if you want or are interested in the video version of this podcast it's been on there since number seven I think seven was the first video episode we did. The other ones are on there, but they're just audio with the picture of your head. No, I think it's your head. head. Yeah, it's it's both of our heads. Let's face it. But yeah, if you're interested in that, don't you wish we had video from back then? I do. Kind of. I'm so bummed out we don't have it. Yeah, the closest you have is like a picture of me trying to. What was that? What was the? You were setting up Periscope. Periscope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember the first one? one we did live on Periscope. We tried. No, we did. We did. We did it live on Periscope. Huh. Yeah. Just try and capture that video. I know. Nonetheless, video, that's the point there. If you want to see, you know, I guess what we look like, if you don't know. I don't know. I feel like the guests, that's where the value comes in. Well, People for sure. like to see Everyone like the guests. Roger you know? Hayden. The heroes. after it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Roger, yeah. Right, that's a good one too, because he's like uh, like his stories, man. It's fun. He he, he acts things out a little bit as he sits. Yeah, in his yeah, but in this real mellow kind of nonchalant badass way, you know, yeah. it's real good. Um, but yeah, YouTube subscribe to that one if you like. Um, also, yeah, it's the video version of the podcast. Yes, but we, I will take a little excerpts and we'll post those as well, so you can you know if you like if you're into sharing little lessons with your friends or coworkers, whatever you can do that. So you don't have to share the whole podcast. Um, I'll put some other stuff on there. Interesting stuff. I think we'll think up some other stuff just in relation to it. We've been spitballing about some stuff. Anyway, if you want to see what that is, um, yeah, go on YouTube. It's not like YouTube costs money 
or does it? No, it doesn't. It's free. YouTube Red costs money. Yeah. Yeah, we're not dealing with YouTube Red. We're no, not doing that. Not yet. No, man, I don't charge for content. Not oh, no, man. no, we're not going to do that. No, no, no. But I was thinking about getting YouTube Red. Oh, right. Yeah, that's a whole <laughs> other thing for sure. But yeah, YouTube, subscribe. You want to support that way. That's cool. Uh, also, Jocko has a store. It's called Jocko Store. JockoStore.com. So this, I keep forgetting everybody's name, but very clever guy said, haiku. hey, this was a haiku. Yeah. <laughs> and then I went through it. I was like, dang, I'm so, but I was like, ah, oh, it's not a haiku. Because you way he's say a, the, the right? Jocko Store, yeah. So why don't you change it so it's a haiku? Because it might, uh, yeah, I guess. Okay, here we go. Also, Jocko has a store. It's called the Jocko Store. <laughs> JockoStore.com. Boom, there's the haiku. Nonetheless, JockoStore.com, that's where you can get, if you want, shirts, rash cards, hoodies, some patches, Velcro, regulation size, and color. Some of them, some women's stuff on there. Anyway, the, the point there is, if you like t-shirts, you want to represent, get a shirt. Boom, good support. They're good shirts, too. They're not the free Do you, When you put on junk. a get-after-it t-shirt... Yeah. Do you, do you get a little bit? Yeah, you want to get after it more. <laughs> and actually, that it, it, it that actually sounds kind of funny, but when you think about it, it's super obvious. Yeah. So, like, you know how, like, I mean, I don't know. It's, you're it's, different. It's actually it's it's a liter it's a literal literature thing. What? There's a literature thing. It's called something. It's called something like the dressing of the warrior. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you'll see it uh-huh. in movies. They do uh-huh. it in movies where you see the guy putting his boots on and putting right. his gear on and putting his sword and picking up his shield. That's donning his helmet. They do it everywhere from night movies mm-hmm. to gladiator movies mm-hmm. to soldier movies in the modern day. You'll yeah. see these scenes. Well, they do it in literature too. Mm-hmm. So there's a little something yeah. that there's a little reality to that. Like I'll tell you what used to get me was flipping down, so night vision goggles, you wear them on your helmet, mm-hmm. and they, they, they flip up when the lights are on, when you're, you know, you're getting ready to go, and right. then when it's time to go, yeah, yeah, you yeah. flip down your nods. And for <laughs> me, I, like that was just game, so game on. It's right. so game on when you flip down those nods. Mm-hmm. And so when we, even when I got back from my last deployment, I'm working training, and we'd go out, we'd still be on night vision, we'd go out at night to observe the troops and run the opposing forces and all that, but I get out on the target area and flip down my nods and I'd like go into full combat mode. It's just it's so on. good. <laughs> so I think sometimes you put on the get t-shirt, you sort of feel a little yeah. something. Yeah. What was that? I think it was Gladiator, that movie when they're like, I don't know, it's like the emperor or something came up and then there was like this small act of defiance from the Gladiator mm. guy and then all the guards behind him, they all flip down their thing and boom, we're ready to go. Real quick, I think it was Gladiator. Probably. Might have been something else. Nonetheless, yeah, the modern version of that, right, with these, like, and it did happen to me when the when the first shirts came in, the Discipline Equals Freedom. I was like, ooh, the shirts are, and I put it on, and I wanted to, like, go work out in it. You know, and it makes sense. When you get a new rash guard, it's yeah. like, or you get a new gi or something, you're like, yeah. oh, can't wait to go practice in my new gi kind of thing. When we like when fo- little kids get new shoes. Yeah, like, exactly right. faster oh, now. Oh, yeah, in football, when we split in Pop Warner football. We'd get the new shoes for the season. I can't wait to go to practice. Practice super hard and it yeah. sucks, too, especially as a little kid. But you just want to when you get that that new stuff. Nonetheless, so, like I said, JockoStore.com. Get yourself a new shirt. You get the one that says get after it. Guess what you're going to really want to do? Get after it. Some other ones on there. Pretty cool, I think. And they're good. They're quality shirts. That's, in my opinion, that's even more important than what it says on them. 
because they're wearable. I can print like, yeah, Jocko's cool sayings on a junk shirt. You wear it one time, you're like, all right, you know, maybe I'll wear that again. But it's not very wearable. I don't look that good in it. It's not the case with these ones. These ones look good. I've had multiple people say it's my favorite shirt to wear because I look good in that. That's kind of the case shirt. with the first round of travel mugs. The, the the silver ones. Oh yeah, like they were not as high quality as what we went to. Yeah. Even though they said have now? they said discipline equals freedom yeah. on them, the silver mugs they said discipline equals freedom. They looked, you know, they looked right. pretty cool, mm-hmm. but we needed higher higher quality. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, essentially the same thing. You get the mug, you're like, cool, so my new, new mug, tra- and that all this new stuff. new travel mug Ooh. is gonna is going the distance. That's gonna replace your whole cup cupboard <laughs> straight up it did with me and i didn't even expect that but yeah 30 ounces and it fits in your cup holder in your car too what's the black on black black on black. discipline equals freedom no one can see it yeah you except can. for you well the owner nah you can see it here's a good thing about it it's black it's you see look at it it's black it's not shiny it's no, no, so it's matte, matte black it's like versus matte. shiny black right? and then yeah then the logo and stuff is shiny black so people have to look a little extra hard to see it yeah but there's a subtlety to it that's yeah. powerful it's for you it's for you it <laughs> looks dope they call it murdered out you know the car is black with black rims anyway it looks good yeah. and it's double insulated Do- is that double, yeah, insulated? double insulated that's what it's called yeah when yeah your ice you put ice water in there you leave it overnight next morning still you still have ice water even if it's a hot night, even if it's a hot day it's outside, amazing. it's amazing. <laughs> I left mine in my car. You know, you go into yeah. where did I go? The grocery store. You no. know, you spend a lot of time in the grocery <laughs> stores. No, bro. no, no. I was coming back from somewhere, left it in my car with I. It was just ice. I drank all the water and left it in my car. Came out later that evening. Boom, ice still in the car. Hot it's a, day. It's, it's amazing. A it's a miracle, yeah. Anyway, those are good. High quality, BPA free, all that stuff. Anyway, jockostore.com, if you didn't know already. Also, good way to support yourself and this podcast by happenstance is psychological for war a psychological warfare is what it's called. If you don't know what that is, it's an album with tracks of Jocko telling you how to get through your moments of weakness in the event of you having a moment of weakness getting up early procrastinating even being creative it's like for everything being creative like how can how can you get talked out of writer's block how can you get talked out of that it's weird right yeah you will be talked out of writer's block and right into creativity yes exactly right and same thing with workouts anyway for all the little moments of weakness that you might have don't worry jocko's there get it psychological (laughs) warfare you can even buy the individual tracks too Let's say you're like just no, but that's not as good of a deal. No, but I mean, really, ninety nine cents. Yes, it is a good deal. It's a great deal, regardless. In my opinion, because look, okay, my whole thing wasn't to wake up early. It was going from not working out to work. You know how it's like? Okay, I got to work out today, but I'm on the computer. I'm doing something. I'm it's like a little late. This is important too. Exactly. I should really focus on my craft right now yeah. instead of working out. Exactly right. So the workout day becomes a rest day. Mm. You know, impromptu. Yeah. You know, kind of. And that was kind of my thing. But so there's a track for that, you know, so if uh, all I need is really that track, the diet thing, eh, I'm not, you know, that weak when it comes to like the diet stuff. So, you know, so maybe I don't need it, but I'm not saying to do that. I'm saying there's that option. So you get the one. It's on iTunes. It's on Amazon Music. 
Google Play? Google Play. Is Pretty it? much anywhere where they sell music. MP3s. Online MP3s. Boom, it's on there. It's called Psychological. And for people that want alarm clocks, so people always want an alarm clock. Or a ringtone. Yeah, ring just tone? put it. No, no, alarm clock. If you want to wake up to like someone telling you to get up, that, and that someone is right, named right. Jocko. Yes, yes, yes. Because <laughs> people want me to do something like that, but I'm like, we already did it. That's one of the reasons why we did this uh, psychological yeah. warfare. Yeah, so you yeah you download that specific file to your phone, and then you yeah you apply make it, it, make it to your, your alarm, alarm clock. Yeah, yeah. So psychological warfare, Jocko Willink. Boom. You can also get Jocko White Tea on Amazon, and people ask if I ever drink energy drinks. And the answer is yes. I drink Jocko White tea. It's my energy drink. Sure. Don't need any other energy drinks. No. That actually sap your energy once their once their crash hits you. Yeah. Jocko White tea. That's not going to happen. You'll be going strong. Way the warrior could. The book. I wish I had when I was a kid. That shows kids the path. You can get that book as well. As for adults that would need to get on the path, there's another book coming out, October 2017, Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. It's the path. That's it. Extreme ownership, of course. Combat leadership from the battlefield and translated into strategies and tactics that can be applied in any leadership situation. Extreme ownership. Get it. And then get it. (laughs) Also... You can also get Echelon Front, leadership and management consulting into your company. You got Leif Babin, you got JP Dunnell, you got Dave Burke, and you got me. You can contact us at info at echelonfront.com. Of course, the muster, leadership conference, but not your normal conference. It's not your normal conference. So don't, whatever your vision of a conference, because I've spoken at a bunch of conferences, that conference, it's not that. It's different. It's different. The normal conference, you're waiting for the break, and then you're going to disappear to your right. hotel room for like 45 yeah. minutes. Waiting for the happy yeah. hour. All that other stuff. That's yeah. not that's not what we're doing here. Hmm. At the, the conference, at, at the muster, the, the muster starts at 8 o'clock in the morning. Everyone's there at 7 o'clock in the morning. After we get done with PT, everyone's there at 7 o'clock in the morning, including all of us. We're hanging out. We, when we start at 8 o'clock, we start at 8 o'clock. Boom, it's go time. So it's not just your kind of typical conference thing. We get after it, knowledge, interaction, solving problems. We go and we go hard. I just peeked out the microphone. I don't do that normally, but we go and we go hard. Next one is in August, or sorry, in Austin, Texas, July 13th and 14th at the Omni Barton Creek Resort, which only has 300 people. We're a little over, we're over halfway sold out right now. Uh, so register quickly. If you can't make that, you can come to San Diego September 14th and 15th for Muster 004. We look forward to seeing you there. And until we do see you there, if you want to talk to us, you can find us drifting about inside the interwebs on Twitter, on Instagram, and on that facey boha. Echo is at Echo Charles, and I am at Jocko Willink. And as always, to the military personnel deployed all over the world, thanks for everything that you do for us. To the police, firefighters, EMTs, first responders, thanks for keeping us safe. And 
make sure you stay safe as well to everyone else that's listening thank you for listening thank you for supporting thank you for spreading the word thank you for getting up early and thanks for working harder than your enemy and as echo said earlier thanks for taking advantage of when times are good because times will not always be good so until next time this is echo and jocko